Universal Championship Wrestling presents Hometown Throwdown Sunday, August 8th at the Greenville Shrine Club and Event Center. See all your favorite wrestling superstars in action. NWO members Big Papa Punk Scott Steiner and Buff Bagel, WWE star Carlito and The Ascension, AEW's Dream Girl Ellie, Chrissy Bain, Lodi from WCW, Mustang, Mike, and many more. Get your tickets now at ucwtv.com and eventbrite.com. We'll see you Sunday, August 8th at Hometown Throwdown. Card subject to change. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of AEW. And just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, nobody is running a vacuum cleaner in the background, and nobody is snapping their fingers. That is the sound of the laptop and microphone of the man who's about to join me right now here on The Boochcast. Usually, AEW is his world, his domain. He usually takes the lead, but... Today I am here as well because usually it's AEW that has the clusterfuck, but this week we both kind of did. 
Um, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit later. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, we are here for the recap of AEW. Uh, one man is here excitedly. The other one is, uh, oh, God, I'm here. But I got, oh, boy, here we go. This is going to be fun. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your AEW correspondent, one of your AEW correspondents, the one, the only, Mr. Elvis Delinsky. Oh, my God. Round of applause for the greatest podcaster on the worst podcast ever made on man. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the OG of AEW. It is the correspondent for AEW, the best television show in the world. And going forward, yes, it's the biggest mark, the cheerleader, the man who will wave the AEW flag until it eventually goes under. It's Elvis Zelensky, your boy. Welcome to it. Welcome to A E W. Yes, and this was, ladies and gentlemen, we had fight for the fallen took place. Uh, this was in Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh boy, Bojangles. And and I, and I will say this: North Carolina was the proper place to have a certain match. We're going to be talking about a little bit later, mostly because. Carolina lets you do Carolina lets you get color. So this was the perfect place for that. Yes. Pause the multiverse color in wrestling. Pause. When someone has color, it is said to be bleeding from a certain part of their body. It is where the it is where a wrestler either is hit hard way or blades and gigs a certain part of the body. It could be the forehead, the arm, the leg, any part that shows blood. It can also be called getting juice or donning a crimson mask. And these are terms from the inside explained using broken brilliance. On pause. So, yo, getting color is a big wow, deal in North Carolina. Well done. Thank you. <laughs> that was really well done. I am, I am kind of like in awe right now. I'm like, my God. I mean, you did it last time, but uh, it was really fucking good. Way to go. It was funny because this time I wasn't. Last week, last week I planned it. This time I didn't. I literally just improv that. <laughs> Love it. You know, I'll take it. Exactly. I will take it every day of the week. Um, and then, of course. And so, of course Vinny, I'm going to start this. I'll, I'll, Oh, sorry. I'm, sorry. I'm gonna start this one off myself, man. Uh, uh, yeah, yo, watch your turn, there, buddy. Okay, you know though, this is my show. Even the next <laughs> show we do, the, when we do the next show, it's still my show because it's the Dolinsky show. Cause it's my favorite show. Because it is my show, Dolinsky cast. Yeah. Anyways, um, so we got the elite coming out. Nope, no, nope. We got Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, the Good Brothers, with Don Callis, God bless his name, versus Heyman and Page and the Dark Order. Now. Again, I've been telling you, motherfuckers, if you watch Being the Elite, it gives you little hints into what's going to happen next. This match started off, and it was like a, one of those like weird intros. They give like a little bio video, like a video bio to start everything off. You get a Dark Order coming out and like little bandanas over their mouth or whatever. Hangman Adam Page comes out in a getup that the Dark Order got for him. He was wearing like, you know, still like the, the vest and the cowboy stuff, whatever. But it was all in unison. It was Cowboy, Adam Page, and a Dark Order all coming in matching colors. And I don't know why this I popped so hard for this, but I fucking did. 
as soon as I saw like you know John Silver, I, I saw Alex Reynolds, I saw Evil Uno, I saw Stu Grayson come out, and then yet um Hangman Adam Page come out in his fucking getup, I popped so fucking hard. I'm like, dude, this is fucking fantastic. I got that overwhelming feeling like you know you get goosebumps when you watch something amazing. Yeah, that's what I got though. When I saw them all come out in unison because these guys have been together for a long time. You know, uh, they've been going through their trials and tribulations and finally getting on page to do something great. Obviously, the stipulation was of uh, Hangman and a page and the uh, Dark Order were to win. Um, you know, first of all, the Dark Order would get a tag team championship, but also Hangman and a page would retain his number one spot. But if they lost, he would um, lose his number one contendership to Kenny Omega and go back to the bottom of the line. And that was like the stipulation for the match, which is fantastic. And then you had the Elite come out, and in their traditional douchebag fucking, like, fashion, they all came out dressed up like the guys from, um, what's it called, that movie they're promoting? Um, Space the Jam LeBron 2, Legacy. Space Jam 2. So they're all coming out as, like, you know, the, the Toon Squad. You know, they're all, like, with basketballs and stuff. And I thought it was kind of stupid, but at the same time, it's selfless promotion. I mean, remember when WWE did that whole zombie thing, whatever? It wasn't, like, that cheesy, but I was like, oh, man, like, I don't want to... I guess I don't really like that kind of like promotion type stuff. I, I get it. You make money. You, you make money like it's a, it's a couple minutes spot, whatever. But they come out and like, you know, with basketballs and they have a basketball court out there and they're dunking, they're shooting a basket, whatever. So I was like, okay, this is kind of cheesy, but whatever. You know, Hangman and Page was out there and the Dark Order was like all business and the, the douchebag heels were out there as douchebags. And you got to love it, man. They're, they're, they're douching it up to the next level. It's not just like regular douchebaggery. It's to the next level. It's the elite level of douchebaggery, I, I gotta say. Okay. Um, Elvis, I'm gonna ask you a question. Sure. Do you want my honest booch opinion on this, or do you want me to PC it up and give... A version you wouldn't like. You would like me to say. You choice. Your choice. I can give you. you know, I can tell you what you want to hear, you know, or I can give you the truth. How do you want to go with this? You know, Vinny. I want the truth, the whole truth, or nothing but the fucking truth, Vinny. Why sugarcoat it? This is a real show okay. for real people, for real fans. I, I, they want to know our honest opinion, so let's do it right. All right. I can sum up this match in five words. Fuck it all to death. Fuck it all to death. And I'll tell you why I say fuck it all to death. First off, you got the elite walking to the ring dressed as the fucking Toon Squad. Now, I get it. You're promoting a movie. Movie probably paid some money. Doing a little bit of promotion. I get that. I get the logic behind that. Here's what I don't like. To put it in wrestling terms, in the movie Space Jam... The Toon Squad is the babyface, or the good guy. They're the good guy okay. team. The elites are supposed to be fucking heels. You don't dress, if you really want to promote the movie, have them come out as the fucking Monstars. Because the Monstars were the heels. That's like if you had a Halloween show and Kenny Omega came out dressed like fucking Superman. No, dumbass, you dress like Lex Luthor, you fucking moron. Or dress like that gold, that dude with the, the, the other superhero from the Superman 4. 
You want to dress like a villain, you dress like a fucking villain. You don't dress like a superhero because you're not the hero. You are the villain. You fucking marks. Dress well, like let me... a heel. Okay. Well, that, 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 that's just something. number one. If you, I'll let, just, just let me get this all out. Then you can say whatever you want to say. But that's my first. That was the, that before the match even started. That was my first. What the fuck? Number two. I'm looking at the team here. Okay. Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver. I'm sorry. Was this not supposed to be five on five? Did I? Did I miss something? So who was the other guy? Who was the other Dark Order guy? Was it five? Was it ten? Was it twenty-seven? No, it was evil. It was Stu Grayson. It was Evil Uno, John Silver, John Reynolds, and uh, Heyman and Page. Okay, well then, well then, whoever writes the whoever writes for the A whoever is the on the AEW staff, you fucked up your typo. Jesus, this is this is on their fucking website. Somebody need nobody there proofreads this shit. John Reynolds is nowhere to be found on this list, by the way. So who? John Reynolds. You said he was in this match. I'm looking. At, I'm on the AEW website, Reynolds. reading the results, and all I see is Hammond Adam Page, Dark Order, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, John Silver. There's no fifth guy. So yeah, somebody it was fucked Alex up. Reynolds, man, because they're they're the Beaver Boys. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm just saying. So okay, then the AEW, whoever writes, whoever wrote this blog, fucked it up, and needs and they need to proofread this shit. So anyway, so we get to that match, and so right off the bat, crazy shit's happening. The match is decent. Here's what really makes my blood boil. Is Ooh, we, hear this. we get to the end. We get to the end. Now, so far, there's stupid shit. There's, there's good shit happening in the match. There's bad shit happening in the match. You know, the Dark Order's got some good moments. The Bucks are getting their shit in, all that. And then we get to the moment where we see a classic moment taking place. Where Adam Page is all by himself. And it's basically down to him, Kenny Omega... And I believe the Bucks, right? Dallas and Anderson got eliminated. That's true. So, this right here is a good... This this is the moment where it's like, okay, you got one guy by himself against three dudes. It, he's most likely to get his ass kicked. And this was a golden opportunity for AEW to prove me wrong when I say they do a lot of shitty booking. This was your chance for TK to truly earn his title of Booker of the Year and not prove that that was a fluke prize that he was given. You had a golden opportunity to take Hangman Adam Page, who during the pandemic was being built up to look like a drunken sad sack. Like, his, like Kenny Omega removed his balls and put them in a jar in his EVP office. Because as Elvis has been pointing out to me, there's been a slow burn with Adam Page. There's a slow burn coming. Be patient. Here comes the slow burn. You know, if you watch Being the Elite, all this stuff, all this story, all this buildup, 
We have Adam Page coming back, cutting a few decent promos here and there. Crowds going cowboy shit. We got all out coming in about a month and some change. And here we go. We have a golden opportunity. And what do they do? What do they do? I'll tell you what the fuck they did. They had Adam Page buckshot Larry at the Bucks taking them out and then all of a sudden what happens? We get hit. We get a bunch of three guys belt shots a V-trigger the one-winged angel or fairy as other people call it one, two, three. Stick a fork in the cowboy. What the fuck? What the fuck? You literally had a golden opportunity to make Adam Page earn his title shot, set the date, have a golden moment, and you basically... Kick Adam Page to the back of the line a month before All Out and basically fuck your main event. Because you just basically said in that moment, Page goes to the back of the line. You, you, you did it. You, you, you had a goal. You, you basically, you just fucked your main event. Because who else are you going to put Kenny in the ring with? Nobody else wants to see anybody else go against Kenny. At this point, there's nobody else left to go against Kenny. He's pretty much beaten every credible challenger that they've thrown at him. And some of them weren't even credible. Some of them weren't even credible number one contenders. You literally had Adam Payson at the number one spot. And you put him in a triple threat with Pac and Orange Cassidy. I'll never process that shit. You literally had an opportunity to set the tone for your pay-per-view at a big important show and you shit the bed. Now let me guess. Let me guess. I'm going to take a guess and a shot in the dark here. Oh, we're going to fuck him up and fight for the Fallen, but we're going to pick a random dynamite and he'll somehow win it back there. Because, you know, and this is the biggest problem I have with AEW. You tell it, it's like, it's like the beginning and the middle is a great story. Then you get to the end and it's like, what the fuck? That's like getting in a car saying, hey, everybody, we're going to drive to Disneyland. And while we're driving to Disneyland, we see a bunch of cool sights, take a couple pictures. Yay. Then we get to Disneyland and the park is closed. No one, I guarantee you, no one's going to sit in that car and go, well, the park is closed, our day is fucked, but hey, remember that cool thing we saw on the side of the road? No one fucking says that. It don't matter how much fun you have on the trip. If you get to the park and the park is closed, your day is fucked. You're driving home pissed. And I guarantee you, there were some fans who left Fight for the Fallen pissed. It's... What is wrong with the people in this company? I want to cheer for you guys, but you do so much shit that makes me angry. 
Are you done yet? I'm done. I'm done. Now, now, now you can say what you want, but Jesus Christ, that made me angry. Oh, wow. I feel like you're about to like have an aneurysm here in a second. <laughs> I'm just getting started, but I got. I don't want to waste well, it all on well, this. Well, I'm so glad Jim Cornette was able to join us on this episode of the Boochcast. Um, I never even paid for his royalties to be on here. So, Jim <laughs> Cornette, thank you so much for being here. Um, wow. Thank you, Jim. Well, let me retort to Mr. Uh, Brian Last and to uh, Mr. Jim Cornette himself, the, the cult of Cornettes, well, well, which well, it is, the Kool-Aid that uh, Mr. Vinny Bucci likes to drink off the nutsack of. That's okay. I do the same thing for Kenny Omega. There's no, there's no love lost here. First of all, let's break it down to the first thing you proposed. Um, let's see here with the whole uh, – oh, yeah, that's right. The elite coming out as the good guys, right? Well, here's the thing, first and foremost. The elite thinks – they are the good guys. I know it's hard for you to believe it. They're booked a certain way. They come out of the tunnel as a heel. But here's the thing. They think they are the good guys. They are the faces. They think they're the ones who are keeping this company relevant, which in their minds, they're the EVPs. They got the championships, and they're the things. They're the heroes. Now, I don't care who you are in life or anything you do. For instance, Vinny Bucci thinks he's the hero in his life. Zachariah Scott, in all his infinite wisdom, thinks he's the hero in his life. Alvis, in his life, thinks Alvis is the fucking champion, is the fucking, like, the protagonist. He is the good guy. He's the person who's doing everything right to get the world in the right side. They could be portraying heels, but in their minds, they are the fucking faces. They feel like they're the ones who are the good guys. They think the Dark Order, because... If you think about it, when it comes to Elite, Hangman and Page is the one who turned his back on them. They did nothing wrong. They just won championships. If winning championships means you become an asshole and you become a prick, then they'd rather be considered that. But at the same time, they did nothing wrong. You know, Kitty Omega may have won some the championship from John Moxley over some false pretenses, but at the same time, in his mind, he thinks he's a good guy. So when it comes to the Goon Squad or to the Toon Squad or whatever the fuck they want to come out as, to them, they're doing what they think are good guy things. Because in their minds, they're so egotistical and so far-fetched from reality. And I'll say it. They think they're the heroes in this said story. Which we all know the narrative happens to be the other way around. But it's not. And second of all, the story of Hangman and a Page. I wanted Hangman and a Page to win more than anything else. I think it was, it was a good time to pull a trigger. But as I had a couple days to think about it, I think came out of page, getting a title shot would not amount to much, and let me explain why. Hanging out of page, rightfully so, deserves to be the number one cha um, championship. But the thing is, with the storytelling they're telling right now, you need uh, a battle for trying to get the championship first. You need some kind of tragedy to happen, which this is the tragedy that's taking place. When he wins the championships, which he fucking will. It's going to be that much sweeter because here's the narrative of what's going to happen. At the next pay-per-view that's going to happen, you're going to have Hangman and Page win a championship, which, which would have been a big pop. But it might be overshadowed for the fact that CM Punk or Daniel Bryan will be at that pay-per-view. So do you really want to sit there and make Hangman and Page the champion when the big highlight of the night is going to be CM Punk debuting at the pay-per-view? I, for one, say no. I say hold off on it, let this burn a little bit more. And I had a long time to think about it, though, and I think that 
as much as they wanted Hangman and the Page to win, as much as they wanted Stu Grayson or Evil Uno or for that matter the Beaver Boys, John Silver and Alex Reynolds to win the championships to, to take it off the, the the Young Bucks, God knows I want those guys to lose. I like them. They're great heels. They're douchebags. They're doing their jobs. They're making people boo for them, and that's their fucking jobs. I wanted them to go over there, but the thing is, now is not the time. After I had a couple days to think about it, so why be overshadowed by someone else's debut so when you do win, it's an accolade on itself and not off the back of a debut that's someone that's as prolific as CM Punk. Wouldn't you agree? A part of me does, but I, I respectfully disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because Go on. if CM Punk coming to AEW can overshadow Adam Page winning the championship, then he's not ready to be a champion. Then he doesn't deserve I to be a champion. I disagree with you. I, well, here's the, th- no, I'm here's saying, the thing. No, I'm so, saying. I believe Adam so Page let, winning let, that let, title let, 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 will not be overshadowed by CM Punk. I don't think it will be. Well, let, let's – no, I think you're wrong. And, like, you know, respectfully, I disagree. Okay. And here's the thing, though. So you have two veterans, like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk coming on. Now, Daniel Bryan's amazing, right? I mean, he, he has a movement behind him. I mean, he's bringing us a lot of value, but the thing is, like, everybody's been talking about CM Punk more than Daniel Bryan. And do you know why there, Vinny? Do you want me to explain to you why? I know exactly why, but go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. To explain. Give me your perspective. Why do you think everybody's more psyched about CM Punk as opposed to Daniel Bryan? Go on. Because everybody knows that when Daniel Bryan left WWE, they knew it was a matter of time before he came to AEW. They were just waiting for the right time when his contract was up or when he felt like getting back in the ring. Or whatever. Daniel Bryan loves professional wrestling. In fact, he loves it so much mm-hmm. that it that it was part of the reason it took him a long time to get comfortable on the mic. Because he was one of those guys, and Cesaro has this same problem, where they care more about what they do in the ring than what they do on the mic, even though the mic is what sells your tickets. So that was been Daniel Bryan's biggest problem. I, I said from the moment I first saw Daniel Bryan in WWE back in 2010, he is the he was the best in ring technical wrestler in the whole damn company. But his promos were shit, and that's why he wasn't getting where he was. That's the exact reason. Eventually, over time, after working with Kane and doing Team Hell No, which some wrestling purists think that was a bad part of his career because he was doing silly gimmicks, I disagree with that completely. It gave him a personality. Because that's the thing, one of the, that's, it's like the Hart family curse that I used to talk about, where everybody except Owen had a boring personality, but they were great technicians. Eventually, Daniel Bryan got a personality, and then he eventually was able to be a good babyface, be a good heel. I think his whole, the whole plant thing he was doing, the environmental thing, I can't remember exact name what they called it. Or he was going to be like saving the planet. I was one of his best gimmicks ever. That was insanely. When he won the WWE title and he made a hemp version of the freaking belt. I thought it was great. So, but everybody knows Daniel Bryan loves wrestling. So he knew. In fact, people thought he was going to go somewhere else. Because WWE at first wasn't going to clear him. Because every doctor cleared him to wrestle except WWE. Because they were afraid. They were afraid if Daniel went out to that ring and hurt his neck again, Vince would get blamed. Why? Because Vince gets blamed 
for everything. Every time a wrestler gets hurt, every time a wrestler's on drugs, every time a wrestler fucks up their life, Vince somehow gets blamed for all of it. They put the blame on Vince. So Vince is like, I don't want the liability. Even though Daniel said, I'm not going to blame you. And Vince is like, well, Daniel, I know you're not. But I'm. But the PR is going to come back on me if you get hurt out there. That's why Daniel, when he finally got back in the ring, changed his style up. So he wouldn't get fucking hurt like that anymore. And he learned. But So everybody knew Daniel was going to come back in the ring. CM Whoa. Punk. Now, let me finish. CM Punk, on the other hand, had made it very clear he never wanted to come back to wrestling. He pretty much was going to... He wanted to do the UFC. He tried. He epically failed. And he was pretty much going to retire. Like, they asked him all the time. Would, although he has said that he would entertain the idea of going back to WWE. He would talk to them now. If they, he said he's not going to call them, but if Vince or Triple H called him, he'll pick up the phone, he'll answer, he'll have a conversation. They pay him enough money, he'll go back to the ring because wrestlers, no matter what they say, they'll get back in the ring to put the decimal point in the right place. They'll they'll work. They can go back. They'll go back to the ring. But CM Punk made it, much made it clear he wanted nothing to do with wrestling anymore. In fact, he distanced himself from the business as much as possible except for when he would get paid to do conventions and shit. So the fact that CM Punk is coming back is the biggest deal because he's the one guy we never thought we'd see in a ring again. We knew Daniel's coming back, but Punk, no one saw that coming. Maybe you did, but a lot of people didn't. You know how much it, it lightens my heart for you to say that I knew, but a lot of people didn't? No, 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 trust me. I'm a, I'm at a fortune teller. I'm just a, I'm I'm a happy mark is what I am. Yeah. And a mark with a capital M. Um, nothing more, nothing less. It's just the way I'm built. I wanted to see the man back, and I'm happy. And you're right though. Everything you just said wholeheartedly true. Daniel Bryan loves wrestling. He wants to do different things. AEW New Japan. He's got all the revolving doors open on there. CM Punk was some, was an, was something that we didn't expect to come back. I've always had my hopes. Like the same hopes I have. Cesaro comes joining AEW one day. I mean, God knows we're gonna have. Bray Wyatt's come eventually. But anyways, um, it's going to happen eventually. But at the same time, like, we have CM Punk, the greatest in the world, coming out there, and it's going to be different. So I think with that focal point being on that, though, I want you to see my perspective. I don't need you to agree with me. I don't need you. I just need you to understand. And a lot of things I've been saying so far has not been too far from the truth that's been happening. My little predictions. I kind of anticipated Hangman and Page to win it, though. And it's been, it, 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 I'm not going to lie to you. When I watched it, I was deflated because I remember feeling those goosebumps when I watched it begin the match. When I saw the end come out the way it did, I was like, fuck. And I felt the way I did. But then after giving a couple of days and like really like glad to setting it in and trying to think like, okay, what's next? If they did this, what's the next step? And I'm looking about the future, not, not about right now. I'm not, I don't need instant gratification. I could wait. I'm a patient man. So if you're devastated and pissed off about the way that angle happened out, the way him and on page end of that match, I understand, folks. I'm disappointed, too. Vinny's disappointed. He saw something, and the thing is, I saw the same thing. It's not like I was blind to what he's talking about. I completely agree with Vinny's sentiment about what should have happened during the end. And I kind of do, but since they're not doing that, I wonder what's going to happen next, because it's going to be something bigger. Because if they built it up to be this, and if we didn't get it, I can imagine when they finally do pull the trigger, because it's, it's going to be a matter of time. Maybe they were worried about the foreshadowing of these two other people coming in there. Maybe it's not. Maybe they've got something else built up so it'll be something bigger. I don't know. But only time will tell. Right now, you're right. 
I'm a bit disappointed by the outcome, but at the same time, I have faith in my product to deliver on something that's to be bigger than life, and eventually that will take place. So I'm a patient man, Vinny. I know you're not. You want instant gratification. I get it, but I'm not there. I believe in the product. I believe in the method. I believe in the storytelling with the long burn. So I am, in, I am literally going to um, suspend my disbelief for a little bit and give it another chance because I'm not going to give up on Hangman on the page. I mean, the Dark Order is the Dark Order, but I don't give up on Hangman on the page. He's a star. Now, should he be set up right now? I don't know. Maybe it's not the time. Because I know for sure, eventually when they do make it happen, it's going to be that much sweeter. And then when they tell a story in the future, he tried the first time and he failed. He tried the second time and he failed. Third time's a charm? Maybe? Question mark? That's good storytelling. That's a good back video. That's a good, like, suspense story building up to where it's going to be at, though. I'm telling you. It's going to be worth it. In event. I mean, eventually it is. Hopefully. If it's not, then you tell me. When he wins a championship, because eventually you know he will. When he wins a championship, you tell me, was it the time or wasn't it the time? I'll let you then, then tell me then. How about that? Let's be fair about that. All right. Uh, let's see if it happens. I hope it does. I know. But, uh, I mean, just a little thing before, a little side note before we get on there. By the way, third week in a row, over a million views. Nielsen ratings. Just had to throw out there because I'm petty. So, go ahead. All right. Well, next we cut to um, we have Alex Marvez, who was backstage with the bastard Pac. Uh, Marvez asked what the Lucha Brothers were. Pac said someone canceled their car at the airport. Andrade El Idio, Idiotto, and Chavo Guerrero interrupted the interview and said they booked the Lucha Brothers a limousine instead. So obviously, this angle to sit there and sit and put dissension between Pac and the Lucha Brothers. Um, did it actually take place? I don't know. But it's a good storytelling. Saying like, uh, maybe you should just like, you know, focus on the rentals. Maybe you should get those guys coming in style. So, you know, Andretti pulling all the stops, trying to sit there and um, make himself be bigger than what he is, like kind of like a Ric Flair type thing, whatever. He wants to sit there and, you know, he he wants obviously Lucha Brothers. He wants them to be on his side. He's trying to set some separation. I would think simply something like canceling rentals and getting a limo is going to really get there, but at the same time, it's building a narrative. It's building a story, and that's all we need. It's small vignettes like this to kind of make the product and the feud or whatever it's going to happen next push forward. So I'm all, I'm all for this. It's intrigue. Will they turn on Puck, or will they not? And you always want to have that question behind your head. Will they, will they not? It makes you tune in next week, so I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, and it's also intriguing because they're basically, it's a classic heel selling point. You know, of course, we can we can help you arrive in style. You know, you you walk like you you roll with the best. So you look like a champion. You walk like a champion. You know, you look like a star is supposed to look. You don't you don't you don't use rental cars like peasants. And that's Ric Flair's done that. Triple H has done that. It was like, you know, most heels have that way about them because. People hate people who are rich and flash their money. If you are working class, those people disgust you. Yeah, he's trying to build some dissension amongst the ranks of the Death Triangle. And, you know, it's a little jabs here and there, but, you know, it's more about planting seeds. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, are you sick and tired of waiting? Are you sick and tired of living the way you are? Are you sick and tired of being tag team champions? You know, like... You know, I can kind of see Andrade's things or whatever. He's like, he's probably looking at the elite right now and saying, like, how was it that those two douchebags had the championships, but you're not? 
how is it that you're traveling by um, by uh, uh, you know uh, Enterprise or Hertz, but you're not coming around to limos? Why the fuck are you living like that? You're better than that. And like, I guess he's trying to push and say, hey, you guys are not living to your full potential. And the thing is, like, yeah, well, we're trying to do our best, but I think like Andre's trying to sit there, like, you could do better than what you're doing right now. So he's trying to say, like, you know, you're kind of slumming it, where you could be like living a high life. So I mean, it's it's a it's it's a tried and true testament um, to you know healing 101 is what it is. You know, so when it comes to these kind of sentiments, it's like Andre's like, dude, hey Pac, what happened to your boys? Um, Looks like uh, they didn't make it to the ring because you can't sit there. And why is Pac responsible for their Hertz Enterprise? It's like, you know, I'm pretty sure Pence and Phoenix are well capable of getting a fucking Enterprise. I mean, who doesn't have the app? If you're traveling from, so let's say hypothetically, like for instance, I'm just a regular dude, all right? I work for an insurance company, which I'm not going to be working with them in two weeks. I'm working with a different insurance company. Hooray, you got a new job. Um, but the thing is, like, I travel. I got the I got the Bonvoy Marriott fucking rewards. I got an Enterprise app. If I want to if I want I want if I want to um, get a rental, I'm responsible for my own rental. If I want to get a hotel, I pay for my own rental. You're telling me that Penta and Phoenix don't know how to fucking run a fucking app? Fuck you. It, it's storyline. You can't take it for what it's worth. It's storyline. It's all it is. And when did Pac become the guy who says, "All right, you bastards." Get your app out, let's get the hotel, and let's get our enterprise together. Like, what the fuck, you know? Exactly. That's exactly it. Like, that's, you know, I don't think, I don't know if Pac is responsible for getting them a car or not. Um, But if he is, then that's a weird thing to do. No, I know. It's just, it's just like you know, if you're the base re- uh, wrestling or rea- like you know, a base wrestling reality, it's like it's like Vinny, you and I are our tag team, right? It's kind of like you know, hey Vinny, do you got the rental this time? Like, hey, when we go to Tupelo, you got that one, right? And when we live Tupelo, when we go to fucking St. Louis, okay, you're gonna be like, hey, I got Tupelo. You got the rental in um in St. Louis? I'm like, of course. I will just go back and forth. And hypothetically, let's say we forget, you know, maybe I get one week more than you the other. Hey Elvis, you know, I, I got Texas and I got I got Kentucky. But you haven't got me back since Georgia. So I'll be like, oh, okay, okay, cool. Oh, my, all right, cool. Well, I'll tell you what, though. I got Maine and I got New Jersey. You know what I'm saying? So it's always a back and forth thing. But how is it that Andrade has the power to supersede the the computer systems from Enterprise to cancel their fucking reservation? That, that, it doesn't make sense. But you, you have to, like, again, it's wrestling. You have to, like, you know, discredit reality and just say, I have so much wealth and power that – I could call Enterprise and cancel the reservation. Come on now. It, it, that, that does not happen. You just can't call there and say, My name is Andrade El Idolo, and I want to cancel Penta and Phoenix's Enterprise because I have a limo. And they'll be like, Oh, El Idolo. Well, of course. We'll just cancel all the reservations because we're not into making money. <laughs> it's bullshit. That's, I'm sorry. It's, it's, that, is, that does make sense. You can't... Legally, you can't cancel someone else's car. I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. But the thing is, like, for storyline, if you just looked at it, because that, that segment took place no more than 30 seconds, but we broke that down more than it is expected. But the thing exactly. is, like, in reality, it makes no fucking sense because that never happens. But the fact is, like, oh, Andrade called over here and says, oh, fuck you, Phoenix. Fuck you, Puck. No enterprise for you. But you do have a limo. Like, fuck that. Like, there's no fucking way. This is, and, and there's the thing. And this is another thing. Wrestling, even though wrestling is a scripted show, it's still supposed to be based in reality. 
But the thing is, like, he's so out of reality. He's like, he's like, he's so rich and so pompous and so arrogant. The fact that he can sit there and just call Enterprise and say, "With my star power, I could cancel your, I could cancel your Enterprise." No, I get it. And no, get I, you I, a fucking limo. No, no, I get it. I get what he's doing. I'm just saying, I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody in the segment. They found a way to make <laughs> that segment work. I'm talking it about did. who wrote this, who approved this, who looked at this and went. This makes sense. Like, you, the goal is well, to be because, like, realistic. But here's the thing, though, right? Since we talked about it, we talked about it way longer than we were supposed to because that segment was, like, literally 30 seconds. Yeah. So it was, like, a segment. It's in, it's out, and it was done. So it's one of those things, like, you don't, like, it's one of those pieces where you don't think about it. You just did it, and it was done. But since we actually broke it down... And put logic into it. It's like, you know what, though? There's no logic behind it. But the thing is, for a small thing that it was, it was good. <laughs> I so, guess. It was kind of funny. They, well, they did their job. They got us to talk about that longer than we should have. And on that note, uh, we have Ricky Stark's <laughs> celebration. Taz introduces the new FTW world champion, Absolute Ricky Starks, who came out to the ring with a brass band playing. Hook and Starks danced to the ring. Starks said they got rid of the garbage when he beat the machine Brian Cage. When I broke my neck, you didn't even check up on me, Cage. So I realized you were a selfish guy, and you don't know the meaning of teamwork, and I do. I also know what it means to be a star. And even when they stood you next to me, you still couldn't get an ounce of charisma to rub off on you, said Starks. Brian Cage music hit. Cage busted up a trombone, slammed a bass drum over the drummer's head. Starks and Hook retreated. Yeah, here's the weird thing, right? So... You know, when Ricky Stark was brought out, though, they're saying he's from the Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right? Or from Mardi Gras or whatever. Yeah. So they have the big brass band, and they're playing, like, a whole bunch of Mardi Gras music. You know, everybody knows the tune. I want to sit there and kind of tell you what New Orleans music sounds like with um, with a brass band. Everybody knows. You can picture it. I mean, you think of um, the Frog Prince, or if, you go, if you've go, if you been to Louisiana, you've seen commercials like, Love that chicken for Popeyes. There's kind of brass band behind it. It's like, you know, you know what the sound it sounds like so he's out there he's like milking it up telling me he's the greatest champion you know he's gonna kind of sound like you know i know you're not a good person because when i was in the hospital not once did you come check up on me you're a piece of shit because you weren't there for you know, for teamwork i was there for teamwork you weren't and then cage comes out there and starts like you know instead of taking Ricky Starks first he takes like the drummer he takes like those big drums with the big like little um drumsticks that he hits with it and makes a band whatever plants that guy with one of them Throws a couple people around and tries to go in there. Like, Ricky Starks, although he's supposed to be playing a heel, is being cheered like a fucking face. This is the best anti-hero situation I've ever seen. Ricky Starks, man, he wants to get heat, but the more he wants to get heat, the more people cheer for him. It's the weirdest fucking thing, and I fucking love it. I fucking love this. Ricky Starks is trying to be a fucking heel. He's loved so much. People are cheering. Remember when Becky Lynch, before she went on the whole man spiel, whatever, she's trying to cut down the fucking like audience and the and the, and the fans in the audience. Yeah. And she's like, you guys weren't there for me. You guys are a piece of shit. But, but no matter how much she tried cutting into the fucking fans, they just cheered her even more. Same situation. Ricky Starks trying to cut down the ring, trying to cut down the fans. Try to cut down everything. Make himself like, I'm the only person who believed in me. You guys are a piece of shit. And no matter what he said, the fans were still behind him. I'm like, dude, this guy's a fucking star. This dude, he's not oh, he like a star of the future. He's a fucking star. 
He you is. You cannot boo this man. He can sit there like I could go to a, I could go to a ring with my daughter Zoe. He can sit there, take Zoe out, pick her up, give her an F five, throw the title on top of her face, and Ricky Starks will still be fucking cheered. And I'll be like, I'll be torn. I'll be like, Good job, Ricky. Good job, Ricky. <laughs> what the fuck? And I'm like, what the fuck? What am I cheering for? He just F five my daughter. <laughs> it makes no goddamn sense. Why am I cheering Ricky? Like, but that's the kind of that's the kind of pull he's got. A, He's got this fucking gotcha type thing, whatever. No matter what he does, it's fucking good. So I, I see the comparisons why people love, like, compare him to The Rock. No matter how much you want to boo the man when he first started off, whatever, you just can't. Well, unless because... you're in Royal Rumble, and unless unless you're in Royal Rumble with Roman Reigns winning like a, a Royal Rumble or something. Other than that, though, you will not get booed. Ricky Stars just can't get booed. He can sit there. And take his shit on a fucking kid, and they'll be like, God damn, that Ricky Starks really doesn't think his shit, man. Woo! That's good shit. That's good shit. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't fucking know how this man gets so cheered. I'm, I'm, I'm behind it. I can... I'm behind anybody. I'm behind anybody to get himself over on a shitty fucking skit because these skits where people have like a celebration of their championships usually don't end well. They're really fucking shitty. I just can't believe how over Ricky Starks. Like, I still can't fathom how much more bigger Ricky Starks is going to get. Because right now, he's starting off within a year or how long he's been there. He is electric. And I just can't get. And the thing is, the fact that he's on Team Taz, it blows my mind. Like, Team Taz is not that great. I'm sorry. Taz, he's a, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's great at everything he does. But the fact that Ricky Starks is taking a liking to Taz and sticking with that team because... He does not need Taz. Taz needs him. Let's just face it, folks. That's the funny part. They kicked out the guy who needs Taz the most. Thank you. Right? Th because here's the thing. Every single thing Ricky Starks said in there, well, not everything, but 50% of it is true. Now, whether or not, I'm sure Brian Cage checked on Ricky Starks outside of the world of kayfabe when he broke his neck. I'm sure he did. But for storyline purposes, they're going to say he didn't. Which is a good way. But here's the thing, though. It's a good way to justify turning on somebody because we've seen situations where people have gotten broken necks and the other person didn't check on them and shit happened. Um, yeah. It's why it's Stone Cold never worked with Owen Hart again. It's why uh, it's why New Jack threw Vic Grimes off the scaffold and almost killed him. Uh, it's a variety of reasons. Like you, the the whole you didn't even check on me. Wrestlers take that fucking seriously. Like absolutely, you it's you like, break like, you you, know, I, you accidentally break someone's neck in a ring. You you whether you go to the hospital or you pick up a phone. Pick one, whatever one you want to do. You got to make that phone call or go to that hospital if you can. And you got to be, you got to be man enough to say, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Now, whatever they say to you after that is their choice. Whether they forgive you or they tell you to go fuck yourself. That's up to them. But once you, you got it. But the point is you can, you can at least say, I made my apology. He may not accept it, but if you don't do it at all, oh, that's a sin. That's a no-no in wrestling. Like, it, it, it's the same thing. Like you know, I mean, I'm gonna bring up a story for just for two seconds. Remember when um, 
we had a match with Kevin Owens and John Cena and my dude won. And I went up to give you a hug because I was I was rubbing your face and I punched you by accident. Yeah. And you're like, dude, you punched me. And I was like, no, I didn't. And you're like, yeah, I did. And when I saw the blood, I was like, oh, shit, I'm so so sorry. But what happens if I went through the whole night without saying I'm sorry? I was like, no, fuck you. You're faking it. Like, you just got some ketchup on your face. That would have been shitty. Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, if you hurt I, someone, uh, I probably sorry. I probably would have punched you. <laughs> and I would have been, been like, okay, I probably deserve that. <laughs> I was but I would saying. have I was drunk, so who knows? Exactly. You know what, though? You know what, That's what happens when you drink a lot of PBR with, you know, with Ivy Nolan, so whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the piss taste and the vapes just fuck with your head. But anyway, well, anyway, so uh, let's let's move into our next segment, guys. Guys, guys. Ooh, let me tell you. Ooh, let me tell you, guys. We had a promo from Hiroshi Tanahashi from New Japan. He did a promo, dude. There's not there's not a revolve. There's not a door. There's not a, a, a the open door anymore. It's broken. The revolving door. And who we have now? Hiroshi Tanahashi. If you know who he is, look him. Google him. Go on YouTube, watch his matches. Tana fucking Hashi has a promo, and he says he is challenging the winner of tonight's Hikaleo and Lance Archer fucking match tonight, though. Ladies and gentlemen, New Japan, now that's not only going to be on tonight's fucking, like, promo or uh, match for AEW, but we have fucking Tanahashi. If you've never seen him before, ladies and gentlemen, you better glue your eyes to this fucking show, man, because it's going to be a fucking banger, man. I'm telling you. It's gonna be fucking great. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're using the United States title as a way to get uh, Japanese people in or, ja- or New Japan wrestlers into and I'm, and I'm the states. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. To listen, if it means I don't give a fuck if Lance Archer like crushes through every single one of them. If we get more and more performers from New Japan come over here every fucking week, dude, we need we need to have that happen. Because we're I, opening doors, we're opening gates. We have we have the moats. There's no moat there. It's all concrete now. You just step on over, bro. It's good. I mean, I, I see that point, but here's the thing: is is Japan still not holding shows? Like, if they open, not necessarily they do, but like it's very controlled. And with this Delta variant, they're the first ones to close it down again. So they're opening, it and they they just pretty much close it down right away. So okay, it's they it's hit or miss. So. I mean, these people have to make some money. So no, 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 I get over. that. Our, our gates are open. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm asking. Like, if, if Japan is still having issues with like restrictions and COVID and stuff, then I understand these guys coming over here. But once Japan gets their shit together, yeah. and I mean that nicely, I'm not being a dick, but I'm just saying, once they get their shit together and they, they can open they, doors and have matches again, we need to dial this IW this. This NJPW United States title thing, the IWGP, we need to cut this back a notch because AW well, is starting. Mean, let me finish this way. Let me oh, oh, let me say this. The reason I say that is because AW is starting to make the same mistake that WWE is making, and that is too many belts. I'm seeing too many belts. I get them from other promotions, but still. I'm seeing too many belts, too many champions. If I'm seeing more belts than I am challengers, it's get then it's like it looks like a giant participation trophy. So let's I, I get it for now because Japan's got the issues, but once they start opening up, we got to take this out for we got to we, we need a break from this and focus more on the AEW championships. Um, 
respectfully no because we have another show coming up in august that's like it's already uh august 1st motherfuckers so guess what uh we have rampage but no and let me explain to you why and this is a this is a drawback to your guy to your main dude john cena you can thank john cena for this iwg the iwgp united states championship it's the u.s championship it's open it's open title match every fucking week it's the John Cena United States Open Championship. This is what it is. It's, it literally says in the name, IWGP US Championship. John Cena started this <laughs> with his championship. So thank you, John Cena, for starting this. Okay. So it's your boy. It's your boy, John Cena, who started this, and they're continuing on a tradition. It's a good tradition. I think it's great. And the thing is, when they have two shows, half these tiles are going to go to one show, and the other one's going to go to the other one, and vice versa. It's, it's, they're going to be balancing back and forth. You might have a, cha- like a World Heavyweight Championship on Dynamite, and the other one on Rampage, and vice versa. You might have an IWGP on one, and then have a TNT Championship on a fucking Friday. So, no. We're good. Yeah, it's got a lot at the first show, but the thing is, in about two or three weeks, we're going to have a second show to fill up with all the top, with all the top people on there. So thank you, John Cena, for starting for making the blueprint for this. So John, like, wouldn't you agree? John Cena is a good blueprint to follow when it comes to these matches. Yeah, I'm just surprised you're saying it. <laughs> like, I'm so impressed. I'll I don't even want to argue because this is praising John Cena. What? You don't understand how big of a deal this is, ladies and gentlemen. You do not understand unless you've been following us. Back when I used to have Elvis make cameos on SoundCloud and shit, you don't know how big a deal this is that he is praising John Cena. Well, you know what? Though? I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing about John Cena right now. Since he's come back right now, he's in an atmosphere. He's in a level of of of, of superstardom that you cannot boo the man. When I saw him come out on Raw and come out on SmackDown, I didn't. I I I couldn't boo. I couldn't boo the man. There's nothing John Cena could do right now at this certain point in his life that could boo the man. Back then, oh, I booed him like a motherfucker, okay? But now, I can't boo the man. He 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 did his time. He he was in Shawshank for a long time. He did his time. We booed him. But now he now he's back. We don't have a lot of time left with John Cena. So you know what though? Give him the praise he deserves. That's all it is. Nothing more. Nothing less. And I thank you so much, John Cena, for laying this challenge down for the United States Championship because now there's other companies following your suits. And uh, we will take that formula, we will copycat it, and we'll make it great and bring new talent at the same time. So you know what, though? Mwah. Chef's kiss. Thank you, John Cena. We love you for it. I am so surprised by this. I am just going to move on. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, the next match of the evening, we had <laughs> a tag team match that I'm surprised is happening now and not at all out, but okay. Um, Santana and Ortiz with Conan versus FTR with Tully Blanchard. You know what, though? I love this match, man. Like, Santana has got himself so much into shape, man. I'm not sure. He, he, was, he was off of TV for a while, whatever, and he got himself in shape. He looks like a whole different man. Like, he he looks like a whole different person. Ortiz is still Ortiz, man. I love Ortiz, man. Tiger Claw! Like, you can't go wrong with that guy. Um, he's so entertaining. FTR is FTR, man. FTR is the best tag team in the world. Um, uh, I know it's hard for me to say because the Young Bucks are the world tag team champions, and they're one of the best tag teams in the world. But FTR, 
doing FTR things, man. They are fucking fantastic. And here's the thing. Santino Ortiz are known for their high-flying action. They're usually quick-paced and everything else. But I got to say, this match was more about the wrestling and not about the high-flying. Now, don't get me wrong. They, they, they did get some, like, you know, top cone helos and, like, you know, the, the tope suicidas because, like, that's typical when it comes to the match. But this was more about tag team fucking wrestling and actually just real fucking wrestling. Well, I'm spine busters, power bombs into other people. I mean, this was like a methodical psychological event that these guys have been feeding for a long time. They're finally blowing off right now. I think this like, I know AEW has like their formula when it comes to having tag team wrestling. This was a blueprint for any tag team to follow, new or old, to follow because this match had it fucking all, man. It was no spots where there was... It's almost like every spot they had meant something. And it was smart. Obviously, you got some shenanigans from Tully Blanchard or whatever. You know, you do have that from time to time. But this was a blueprint for AEW, for any tag team new or old to follow. Because this is the, the bar that was set. And I think this is a great fucking tag team match. I love FTR. I love Santana Ortiz. And these guys really put their names on the line and made it and delivered. For months, these guys have been feuding... I don't think this is going to be a blow-off toward the, the blood feud ends, but goddamn, it was a good fucking match. I mean, FTR won it, obviously, with some shenanigans or what have you, but man, it was a fucking great match. I loved it. And let me just say, I'm glad to see FTR win because I think they needed the win more than Santana and Ortiz did. You're right. I have watched... It's been a long time since, like... It's, it, seems, it seems like they were taking a lot, but not getting a whole bunch back. So I'm glad yeah. you're right, though. That the, the balance, the balance is finally going back in their favor because it kind of seems like they were on Dream Street for a while. They they formulated the pinnacle, and they've been on a losing streak as of late. So I'm going to collect like like it's tipping back into their favors because it seems like the scales were kind of going against them for quite some time. So it's good to see them back on their winning ways. Well, it's not just that. I go farther back than that. I go farther back to when they when they showed up. They came in, dominated. Lost to the dumb fucks. Pretty much disappeared from TV. They were like on sporadically. Then, and they either won or, and they, they won a few times, lost most of them. Then got into the pinnacle. Then were showing they were going to be dominant. You know, then we had blood and guts. That was okay. Then you had the stadium stampede, which was, ugh. And now... They're starting to regroup. It's like I, they needed this win desperately because I, it's it, – and this is the thing that annoys me is that everybody talked about, you know, how badly they were treated in WWE. And they were going to come to AEW and the grass is going to be greener. And for them, grass ain't been greener. I mean, really. And I'm being objective about this. People can say whatever they want about their time in WWE, but at least when they were in WWE, they had gold. AEW has yet to bless them with gold when they should have been blessed with gold months ago. The streak the Bucks are having now, that's what FTR should have been having. To quote Dolph Ziggler, it should be them. That it's insanity. The way FTR has been treated. It's a travesty of epic proportions. I mean, you have literally the best tag team in the world. 
I mean, and it means one of two things. Either the either the EVPs are petty or they can't book. Which one is it? Because you can't tell me there's logical booking and giving FTR a losing streak or putting them off TV for as long as they have. That that's insanity. You're either petty or you shouldn't be or you should be as far away from booking as possible. I don't know which one it is, but something's fucked up here. Either way, great match. Also, side oh, note. Wait, 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 wait. Well, let, let, let me let me tell you back. You know FTR has won a tag team championship in AEW. Oh, you haven't? Yeah, they have. What? I find I, I gotta research this. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Do your research, son, because they won a tag team goal. I got I gotta they see this. They lost it. I gotta see this. Hold on, hold on. Okay, they did. Sorry, my bad. Oh yeah, they won it. They won it all out last year, then they lost to the Bucks. Well, that was still fucking stupid. But okay, all right. Yeah, they did win the tag belts. That's my bad. All right. Thank um, you. Okay. Thank you. Fair enough. For everything. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Okay. So I messed up on that, but I'm right about everything else. But fair enough. Mm, I I dropped no, the ball on that. because you were drawing from well. You were drawing from a basis that you had no base on because you were wrong. So, I see what you're talking about. They won a tag team championships. They they crushed through. They won a tag team championship and lost it. But the thing is, like, they lost their weight. And you're right about that. I completely see what's going on, though. They are the world's greatest tag team. And they are because FTR is fucking amazing. But the thing is, again, AEW is about putting the right people in the right positions for the right storylines. Eventually, the Young Bucks will lose those championships. They will. Is it going to be FTR who's going to take the helm? Is it going to be somebody else? We don't know just yet. I mean, like, God hasn't reached there yet. The Gorillas of Wrestling, um, you know, the, the Toloa brothers from um, New Japan. Dude, we got this. So don't worry, don't worry about FTR. FTR is going to be fine. FTR is fine. Like, if they have to work their way back in there, it's going to build for a good storyline. So don't worry about FTR. FTR, one of the greatest tag teams, I think, going on in the world today. Give them a little time. They will get there. It's just not right now because we have certain storylines they're going to go through because eventually they're going to have a narrative. There's no one else to fight. What's going to happen, though? And FTR is going to come out to a big pop and challenge them, go after them. Make, you know, they might become like the elite fucking hunters themselves. Eventually, when like uh, the pinnacle set their sights on the elite, because the thing is, we're supposed to have faction warfare. We haven't seen the pinnacle really go against the elite just yet, have we? We honestly, we here's the, the thing. We haven't seen the pinnacle since the stampede. The factions haven't been factions. Like, here's the thing that makes me laugh. The inner circle won that faction, won that match to stay together. I've yet to see the inner circle do anything since stampede. They've pretty much been doing their own thing. They've been going there. They've been going on like solo missions and shit. So why even give them the win, why even keep the team together if they're already splitting up and doing their own thing? The only thing I see together is like, uh, was when Jake Hager and Proud and Powerful went up against FTR and Wardlow. As the last time I saw any unity from Factor. Other than that, Sammy G's been off doing his thing, which I'm fine with. 
Jericho's off doing his thing, which I'm also fine with. But I'm like, why even keep the inner circle together? They're not doing anything. And what else is left for them to do? Again, again, we have the trials of Jericho, which we'll get to later on. Jericho has this thing with MGF. Uh, we still have, like, you know, Pride and Powerful FTR, which you saw tonight, though. There's some storylines we still have to... We still have some stories to tell before this whole thing is over with. Yeah. Everybody gets their final say in whatever the fuck happens, right? Yep. After that's done, though, Pinnacle have to go somewhere. Once they're done with Jericho and the Inner Circle, which eventually will take place and it will be done, then the Pinnacle's going to go somewhere else. Maybe even focus on the Elite. Because... MGM could have passionate pro about how they're the elite, and the elite are not living up to their names. They're just a whole bunch of douchebags pretending like they're bigger than they are. But uh, MGM could just say, I'm better than you, and you fucking know it. Just one simple promo, and it's done. The focus shifts from the inner circle, who were just like a faction, going towards the biggest faction in the world. Imagine seeing a feud of MGF and his pinnacle versus Kenny Omega and the elites. That's money. Yeah, if it's done the right way. Oh, I know, Vinny. You have to be patient, man. This is not WWE. We take our time with our shit. <laughs> but anyways, let's go on to the next one, whatever. Yeah. So we get a promo from Doc. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just love digging because it's fun. It's not instant gratification. It's something you have to wait for. So I just that's just my thing. I know, you, I know you're used to, like, WWE booking, and you've been, like, spoon-fed WWE for a long time. I know it's hard for you to concept this, you know, change, whatever, but it's the way it is. Um, we get a promo for Dr. Britt Baker. <laughs> I'm silent giving you shit. Uh, we get a uh, promo from Britt Baker, DMD, on how Nana Rose could not beat her. She says, Nana Rose breaks bitches, but she's the baddest bitch on the block right now. But she's like, no matter what, though, everyone wants to come after her, tries to break her down, try to break her nose, try to break her leg, but she's going to get some support. So, it's a small little tidbit saying that she's going to get some help. That means she's going to have some other girls that's going to be on her team. Vinny, if you were to get one or two people anywhere from the wrestling world who wrestling got released from different promotions, who would you say fits with Britt Baker? And there's Ooh. no right or wrong answer, just your own opinion. Who do you think will fit into Britt Baker's little stable? Let me see. Recently departed from WWE, current people from Impact, NWA, go. Wow. <clears throat> I really need to think about this one. Um... Well, I'll tell you what, though. Let me give you, let me give you my opinion. Yeah, you give your opinion. Give, give me to, a like, second. Screw it down. I want to say, and I, I might be kind of biased because I love them a lot in WWE. The Iconics! Iconics! I love to see the Iconics. Iconics! With fucking Britt Baker, dude. That would be Britt Baker being the badass bitch, the Iconics being the enforcers, somewhat, whatever, with Reba. I think it would be fucking awesome. I think. With their diluted self-confidence of who they are and what they are, it would make the team so much better. That's just me. Okay. I got an idea of who I'd like to see. Um, Chelsea Green. Go on. As one. Not a bad pick. Chelsea I Green. Like I like that. Uh, I'd say since, since, since belts are allowed to jump everywhere, let's bring in the Impact Women's Champion, Deanna Perrazzo. I'd say okay. I think her. That could be uh, some like you know two like two champions from two different promotions that got each other's back on each promotion. I like that. That's a dominant like, way to go. Know, get Britt Baker on Impact Wrestling to get some views on that though, and have like Chelsea Green come out. Yeah, I like Yada Prazo come on um, 
AW Championship to kind of sit there like like they like hey I respect you you're a champion your promotion I'm a champion my promotion let's have each other's back I love I love that's a great concept Vinny I I'm not sure if you brought it up that way but it's a brilliant concept yeah um and I also think let's say she if she really wants to build a faction every faction has four main ingredients or or no five there's it's usually five people there's usually the top guy or in this case, gal, the young up and comer who's the future. You need a tag team and oh, an yeah. enforcer. So okay, I like I, I like where you're going with this. So we got obviously Britt Baker, top gal. Rebel, I think, would be the enforcer of the group. She doesn't really. She can wrestle, but she don't really do much. And so you need a tag team. So I would bring I would bring in. Are you familiar with a team called Fire and Flava? I do know them. I know, dude. As soon as you said tag team from a different promotion, I was like, dude, I know you're going with this. That's perfect. Fire and Flava. And I and I know this team because I have seen okay. I've known Kiara Hogan since she wrestled for Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. So she's been in the Indies. Her and uh, Priscilla Kelly used to have a rivalry. Right, right, right. So they fought each other before. No, man. I seriously, that's that's a strong stable, man. I like where your mind's going with this. Like, see the fact that you're moving outside the box and thinking outside. Like, I love it. I love it, Vinny. Like, you're with your beautiful mind. You're like Russell Crowe in that movie, a beautiful mind. Like, you know, you're just you're going off the deep end. I love it. It's perfect. It's good. I like yeah, it. That's that's who I would bring in. If she wants to have a faction, that'd be solid. Cause Chelsea Green is a badass. Diana Perrazzo works. And you could bring in fire and flavor. The thing is, it works on both promotions. No, and the thing is, it works on both promotions. So that way, you're you're still having that open door, but at the same time, everybody happy each other's back. Like anybody else who crosses that little circle is fucking dead. I love yeah. it. It's perfect. Yeah, and the best part is, it's a faction that you can flip flop between the shows. Bring them to AEW. Bring them to Impact. And and if yeah. and if Britt and Deanna are in the group, they can kind of be like. Co-leaders, and like on AEW, like like co-leaders like co that support each other on each show, whatever. Yeah. Respect for being most of your champions until eventually, like you know, one of them has you know jealousy over the other one. And it's a storyline for later on, but to exactly. start it off, that'd be great. Here, it, oh my god, that would be that's perfect. Two mutual respective champions on different bands on brands helping each other out, dude. Like you have the best of both worlds, and they're both on top of their games supporting each other that's 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 fucking girl power i don't give a fuck that's just power and here's how you make it work here's how you make it work on aew Britt baker does the majority of the talking and when you bring him to of impact course. you have diana do the variety of the talking so it's like the champion on each show they're even though they're both co-leaders one gets a slight bump on their show Right, and then like they're both like respectively saying, "Hey, this is your show. You take the you take exactly. the you take the rings on this one. You go on my show. You you let me take the reins." And, and and it's like a mutual respect. And I want to see how far the respect goes, but at the same time, dude, that's beautiful. Like, I couldn't write that better. That was beautiful, Vinny. That's like poetry motion. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, that was that's. I think that would work if we're gonna build a faction. That's the best way to do it. And with with this forbid with this forbidden door being kicked open and. 
you know, Tony Khan always up for the crazy. I see no reason why he can't make that work. So. I think it's a brilliant move. And if, seriously, TK, listen, you, you listening, bro? You, you, you're listening to me, bro. You know, you know, you got me, right? Um, no, it's 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 a home run, dude. I think I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. You nailed it, fucking perfect. That was perfect. All right, thank you. And uh, after that, Tony Schiavone informs us that Tony Khan has a major new live event planned. It's called the First Dance, and it will be held in Chicago at the United Center on August twentieth. For Rampage. So that's when we're getting Rampage. Friday, August 20th. Um, yeah, man. Um, I, uh, dude, I'm marking out because, um, the first dance actually has to go with the last dance. We all saw the documentary for the, yeah. the Chicago Bulls. Yes, we um, talked about that. I know. We talked about it many times. Um, then Darby Allen cuts a promo after and he's like, "Yeah, he's seen, he's faced some of the greatest in the world. He's 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 faced like some of the greatest uh, wrestlers, but uh, you just can't sit there and jump the line. I don't care if you call yourself the best in the world. Obviously, making a, a stab at CM Punk, so we might be getting a Darby Allen versus CM Punk fucking thing, whatever. I mean, it's that's fucking crazy. Yeah, and CM Punk is just crazy enough to have that match. Well, I'm just saying, it might be." It, uh-oh, what's that? Oh, is, it, is that the song? Oh, no. And now, your starting lineup for your 1996 Chicago Bulls. Your starting lineup, we got your center. We got we got Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen, John Paxson. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just I'm just marking over here. So, CM Punk doesn't show up to his events. What's the point of that? If you, if you want to do a call out to CM Punk, what's the point of that? It's going to be fucking phenomenal. Small little promo. Makes a little stab at CM Punk to get the marks fucking like hyped up like me right now. Woo! It's gonna be a good fucking night, folks. He played the song without my permission. From that point on, it became personal to me. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wow. That you reference like, dude, you're on points tonight. Your references are on points and I love it. You are you are spitting you are hitting on all fucking gears tonight. I love it. It's like like you think that's a great song? Okay, fine. I'm gonna show him that it's not. Uh <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I took it personal. <laughs> I just—he just took it personal. He goes, "Okay, fine, uh, okay." <laughs> this is fucking great. Like it's He's fucking. He's been playing so my permission, so I took it personal. It's like, and that's like the ongoing story that people always say, based on what they saw on that, is that if social media existed in the '90s, uh, everyone would hate Michael Jordan. <laughs> I think so. Like it, it's weird for me because, like you know, I grew up in Chicago, so Chicago, like when I was living in Chicago, Michael, Michael Jordan was my hero. I could imagine living outside the bubble, like someone being a Detroit fan, Atlanta fan, uh, Utah fan, New York fan, because I was a Chicago fan because I started watching the Bulls when they were shitty, and they started winning all these championships, and like it was weird not being in that championship. I remember like going like the first three years winning like back to back to back, and then when Jordan left, we we missed one year. I remember that one-year gap of not having a championship. I was like, oh, so this is what the Knicks feel like. That sucked. <laughs> I was so weird. And then, like, uh, like, I mean, don't be wrong. Don't, don't be wrong. It was like the whole division when it came to it. So it was like one year I was like, oh, so this is what the – I remember feeling like it was the Knicks altogether. And then after that, it was like we went back to back to back. And after we won a six-foot, I'm like, I don't care if we lose our, like, our, our whole lives anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> That was great. This is what the Knicks feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. 
problem. The, the Knicks were a good team, and the thing is, like, every time we went to the playoffs, we played against the fucking Knicks. It was like fuck. Like they were such a hardcore team. Detroit. Um, I remember playing against the Pacers like later in the, in the later like the first three was like um, what was it? The Knicks were really hard to play against. Detroit was really hard to play against. Um, later on, it was like the Pacers that were really hard to play against. But the Knicks always brought it. And the thing is, like, I'm never gonna take anything away from New York Knicks. I hated Patrick Ewing with the, with every ounce of my fiber and being. Same thing with John Starks. I fucking hated him, right? Yeah. But then, like, after watch after, after watching, like, the matchups and watching the last dance and see the way they are, I'm like, dude, these guys were so fucking good. And I respect them now as an adult watching it back. But I remember watching him as a kid. I was like, fuck you, John Starks. You're the fucking worst. I fucking hate you. You Patrick Ewing, of you course. piece of shit. Of like, course. Fuck you, John, like, you know, on Carmelone, you fucking asshole. Like, how dare you try to come into, like, to my United Center and try to score on Jordan? Fuck you. Like, you know, I remember having that hate. Oh, like, yeah. Same thing with, like, the, the, the Seattle Superstars. Like, fuck you, Sean Kemp. You ain't shit. Like, you know, like, it's back usually... then it was an actual hate. Well, yeah, because back then you're passionate about the team. It's not until the person retires and they're not in the game anymore, that you can step back and appreciate them. And the best example of that, oh, man. I'll take, just to get off topic a little bit, the best example of that was Derek Jeter. When Derek Jeter, the captain of the Yankees, he would get, like, Boston fans naturally fucking hated him. Like, you know, right. Yankees always get shit all the time. But when Derek Jeter retired, everyone gave him respect. In fact, when D- there, there was a game to the Yankees and the, and the Red Sox when it was announced that this is going to be Jeter's last season. This is his last season. He's done after this. He got a standing ovation in Fenway Park on his last at wow. bat in Boston. Because it was like, okay, fuck the Yankee. Fuck, uh, it was that one moment where they were like, look, fuck the hate, fuck the rivalry. Jeter's the, Jeter was the fucking man. So it's like, look, we hate the Yankees, but we respect Derek Jeter. So they gave yeah. Jeter his props, not... The rest of the team could eat a dick that night, but Jeter, they showed the respect for him. It's like, all right, you're out the door. We can show you your respect now because you're not a threat. So I think that's kind of how we all are as teams. And you talked about the Pacers earlier. I'll never forget. The, remember the story Reggie Miller told? Oh, yeah. I love that story. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It's the best story ever. Oh, yeah, where, like, they were playing against the Bulls and, like, you know <laughs> – I think he had, like, eight points, and Michael Jordan at the time had none. Like, Jordan just wasn't scoring in the first half. And Reggie was, like, pretty much owning Michael Jordan. So Reggie starts talking shit to Michael Jordan. They come back for the second half. Michael Jordan scores 44 points. Reggie Miller ends the night with 12. (laughs) So he only got, like, four more points in the second half. Michael Jordan blows him out of the water. The game's over. They're all shaking hands because Jordan, no matter what, always shook everybody's hand. He goes to shake hands with Reggie Miller, and then he tells him, don't talk to black Jesus like that. <laughs> Fucking great. Yeah, you don't, you, don't, you, don't mess with, you don't mess with black Jesus. That's what, that's what it is. And Reggie was like, I will never do that shit again. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, again, well, back to Jordan's thing. I think it personal. <laughs> you talk <laughs> shit. You talk shit. Like, you want to say, uh, fuck around and find out? The Pacers fucked around and found out that night. It was awesome. He fucked around. It was great. Like, do not piss and do not piss off Michael Jordan. Like, and he's easy to piss off. 
He is. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like you know, here's the thing about Jordan, right? And like, a lot of people say he would have been an asshole if he was on social media and everything else. But here's the thing. Jordan, you could sit there, like, imagine, like, me, Elvis Dolinsky. Let's say I play for the Minnesota Timberwolves because that'd probably be the only team I'd join, right? Because they're like, oh, he's tall and dumb and white and he could kind of shoot a basket or whatever. Let's say me, Elvis, uh, a 20-year-old Elvis meeting Jordan on the field. And, like, it's in his latter years. And I go up to Jordan and say, Jordan, Michael, man, I watched Space Jam. It was the best movie in the world. I love your shoes. You're a great player. But to him, me coming to him saying that, he's probably like, he was fucking with me. So I took, I took it personal. Like, that's the kind of mentality he had. Like, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm literally saying, you're the best player. I think you're the best. He's like, what the fuck was fucking with me? So I just didn't score him. It's like Jordan scores 65 points against Alvin Zolinski alone. Because <laughs> he had to make a point. What points? He had to make a point. Like, what do you mean you like Space Jam? No one likes Space Jam. I'm like, no, I fucking like everybody loves it. Jordan, everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It's the and sequel course, we don't like. He's like, hey, Elvis, I'm sorry. He's, like, he's like, Elvis, I'm sorry. I had to, I had to like, you know, embarrass you in front of everybody else. But here's a personal apology. And Michael Jordan would have wrote me a letter. Elvis, I'm sorry. I thought you, I thought you were a fuck with me, but I didn't know you're really a fan. I looked through all your Instagram shit, whatever, and sure enough, um, you are a fan. So I'm so sorry. I would have been like, I would have liked it. I'd have been like hearts. <laughs> you embarrass me for the millions of people, but no one's gonna see this. But it just says hearts. Sorry, Elvis. My bad. <laughs> and on <laughs> and on that note, we're gonna move on here. We got okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. No, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. We have the IWGP. We, we I, I love the I love the fact that when it comes to wrestling. We get so sidetracked about everything and nothing, and that—I mean—that's the show. Like that's the show, folks. We have yeah. we have three other matches to talk about, but you know what the fuck, you guys? It's the show. It's over. <laughs> that's why we have a variety show, so we could get that out of our system. We haven't we haven't shot it yet, I know, though. I know. It's, it's, we haven't it's recorded it yet, though. But uh, we have the IWGP United States Title Match: The Murderhawk <laughs> Monster Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts defends the title against Hikurio with King Haku. All right, I'm going to break this match down really simple because I don't want to really get more into what I'm supposed to. It was an okay match. Um, Hikaleo is still kind of green behind the ears. I'm sorry, but he is. Um, it was good to see King Haku, man. I, I miss Ming. I miss King Haku. He got some little spots and whatever, though. I love, I love, love, love Haku. Um, you can call him whatever you want to call him, whatever. But uh, you want to call him Ming. You want to call him King Haku. Whatever, whatever variants you remember him as. But, dude, I love the man. I popped so hard. I marked out so hard to see him there. They're trying to build Hikaleo up to be something. He's not quite there. But the thing is, you see greatness in this guy. I do. And it's great. It was just two big, beefy men slapping beef together. And it was just a big, <laughs> beefy match, whatever. Lance Archer took the win on this one. Nothing away from anything. There was some shenanigans from King Haku. Because why wouldn't you? Because King Haku's fucking amazing. And the fact we got to see him on our televisions in 2021 was a glorious sight for me to see. I thought it was a fun match. It wasn't the best. Lance Archer came over on that much. I mean, he's got some cool, prolific things, whatever, but he's a good dance partner. Hikaleo wasn't the best dance partner. And I'm not taking it away from the youngster. He's got a bright future ahead of him, but he just wasn't up to par tonight from what I saw last week between him and Mox. So Hikaleo, I, I, I wanted to see something from him. Didn't see much. Um, but there's promise there, so that's all I got to say for that match. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'll be honest, I didn't pay too much attention to it because 
I had a lot of stupid shit I had to do that night while also watching AEW. So, unfortunately, this was one of those moments where I was not paying attention. But anyway, we cut to Alex Marvez, who attempted to interview the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes backstage about his match next week. He then gets ambushed by Malachi Black. Cody was knocked down by Black's knee. Welcome to the House of Black, says Malachi. Well, I mean, like, it's pretty cool. I think Malachi Black, in, in the way he's presented right now, in the past couple weeks, has been more prolific now in the past couple weeks than he's been in AEW the whole time. I mean, I'm sorry, NXT and WWE. They're showcasing more. We have Fuego del Sol, who came and interrupted for a bit, though, which brings Fuego del Sol from Dark to Malachi's side, which is pretty cool. But I think Malachi Black, since he first initially started, has been more prolific in his character and has made him more relevant in the past couple weeks, just the AW, then his whole existence in NXT and his main main um, pro, uh, in his main events are going to the main roster. I don't care what anybody says. I love I love Aleister Black. I think his 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 concept and his ideas from NXT over to the main roster. But for some reason, when we get to the main roster, he floundered. It sucked. I, I, I I'm a big supporter of his. I will never take anything away from the man. He is great what he does. But the thing is, WWE. It's you know you know the saying, we've got nothing for you, pal. And could you uh, disagree with me on that one? Um, with Alistair Black. Yeah. Here's the thing. There's a lot they could have done with Alistair Black. You're you're absolutely right. And I felt that some of the gimmicks they put him in was dumb. Here's Money in the Bank was where everything went wrong with Alistair Black. Some might say it happened before that. I disagree. I think before that, he was doing okay. He might not have been where everybody thought he should have been, but he had a decent run before Money in the Bank. Then it all went to shit. And a lot of you are about to say right now, oh, fuck, here he goes again. You're damn right I'm going there again because no one's been able to make sense of it yet. First, he gets thrown off the roof of a 10-story fucking building. Shows up to Raw the next night as if nothing ever happened. Keep in mind, I've seen people buried alive, gone for months. As he locked in caskets and set on fire, gone for months. Sometimes even a year. Guy gets thrown off the roof. Comes back the next day. Unharmed. Now, I can understand if you got thrown off the roof. You put him in a coma. And okay, he didn't die, but he slipped into a coma. Okay, little weird, but I could suspend my disbelief with that. And then eventually, he comes out of the coma. Rehabs, wants revenge. Could have did something there. But he's going to have another habit. Then, we have to watch the whole Seth Rollins eye situation. His eye yeah, gets fucked up. Terrible. They put an eye patch on him, like a weird army type of eye patch, like where it's like done with like rope and shit, like he was a prison, like he was a fucking POW. Couldn't get him anything like professionally done. And then you bring him back, and he turns... Heal and gets locked in a feud 
with Kevin Owens. And at no point did they think, hmm, maybe I ought to get revenge on the guy who fucked up my eye. Because Seth was already done with Rey Mysterio. That, that went on longer than it ever should have fucking went. And then you have another rivalry for Seth Rollins. You turn him, but instead, you turn him heel. He feuds with Kevin Owens. He's off TV for God knows how long. And then you release him. What yeah, the fuck? That was fucking garbage. That was stupid. It's like, y'all keep kicking me out of the writer's room, but God damn it, I'm trying to help you. Ugh, so it's infuriating. Dirty, man. I'm not gonna lie to you. No, I hear you, man. They did him dirty, so... Um, you know, and I saw a report that, like, um, you know, WWE is, like, kind of like, like, Vince McMahon pretty much is kind of like, well, fuck them, you know, if they want some more talent, we're going to give them some more talent. So they're, they're, they're letting a lot of people, and Malachi Black is the only character I saw in my whole life that can sit there and take a gimmick from one corporation to the other and still making it work. I mean, the guy still has a fucked up eye. That to, and and that's why I that that instantly gave me respect for Malachi Black. You know why? I was like, God. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is as kayfabe as kayfabe gets. It is. That is I mean, kayfabe in its purest form, pure uncut kayfabe. Like I had a fucked up eye over here. I came over here, and guess what? My eye's not magically fixed. It's yeah. still kind of fucked up. He's like the Undertaker, man. Nobody else, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, nobody else would have did that. Nobody else oh. would have did that. I promise you, no one else would have thought to do that. So already, I have respect for Malachi Black. I'm intrigued to see what he does here in AEW. To prove that WWE did in fact drop the ball with him. Because that's what happens, ladies and gentlemen. If you leave WWE and you come to AEW, you have one mission. To prove that WWE was stupid for not pushing you. Because you come to AEW and you bomb, you prove Vince right. Fact. Because yeah, AEW, there's no, there's no excuse. You have no excuse to not get over in this company because Tony Khan literally gives y'all a lot of carte blanche. <laughs> Tony Khan literally gives you the rope and says, hang yourself if you wish. You have the opportunity. You can tie that into a wins or not, or you can hang yourself. One of the two. Because... You you fail in AEW, you got nothing to say. Nothing. There's nothing you can say to me. You can't sit around and go, WWE did all that. Because if you fit, you come to AEW and you fail, all you're telling me is they made the right decision in releasing you. That's what that tells me. Am I right or wrong? You're right, though. Miro's been killing it. Uh, yes. Uh, Malachi Black's been killing it. Matt Cardona just won the GCW championship. Um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the guy who lost all his matches all his times in a row. Um, Trent, not no. What's his name? Um, uh, Kurt Hawkins. Anyways, 
Kurt Hawkins is doing amazing on Impact. I mean, like they're all doing amazing things. Um, even the, the even the guy who's got kids, he's doing good shit. I mean, like everybody's doing good stuff, whatever. So you have to nail all the fuck. I'm not saying you're gonna be like great or great, you know, these terms of grandeur. But at the same time, like you, you have to knock out of the park, man. Like live your notoriety. If you got a name, build on it. Keep building it up because if you lose that momentum, strike when iron's hot. How do you make a sword? Iron's hot. You form it. You mold it. And once it becomes something that's solid, you can't take it back. No. Like Miro. Miro, when he first came out, was the best man. It was kind of like, what the fuck is this? But once he broke away from Kip Sabian, he's been white lightning hot. And you can't take it away from it. You can't take anything away from no. the guy. He is fucking amazing. He's God's, cho- he's God's chosen wrestler. He's the redeemer. God's favorite he's champion. Amazing. God's favorite champion. Thank God his wife's bendable. It's flexible, you know. Yeah, I'm just saying, like that dude. That dude is like, you know, his problems are all about. He's like, I'm God's favorite wrestler. I, you know, I have two blessings. I'm God's favorite wrestler. And number two, I thank God every day for my for my flexible fucking wife. I mean, wow, what the hell, dude? I'm just saying, like, this guy went from pathetic to badass in months. Like, yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. The, fir- the first thing he had with like coming in being the best man. It was stupid. He was a gamer. It was stupid. But eventually, he flipped it. He flipped he it. He knew it was going bad. It wasn't getting like the traction he wanted, though. Once he got past that traction, he did something else, and he's fucking killing it now. Oh, he's killing it. I'm loving every second of this. Like, we've jokingly said this, but now we truly can. Miro is the best. Miro's number one. <laughs> he really is. Like, holy shit. This is... This this shows, dude, you should have went with Rusev Day. Fuck, this is amazing. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I mean, like, there's a lot of shit going on, but the thing is, like, AW, like, listen, AW is not the perfect wrestling show. It's not. Listen, I, I, I wave the flag banner. I, I am a person that would drink Kool-Aid up a kid, you know, like, Mega's nuts because I'm that kind of fan or whatever. I'm a mark for AW. But when things are good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. And I'll tell you guys. Now, Vinny doesn't agree with me about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and it's fine. I'll never, I'll never change his mind. I'm just like, that kind of a fanatic, whatever. But the thing is, like, do you guys know me to be somewhat impartial when it comes to what's good stuff and what's bad? And the thing is, if if Vinny doesn't agree with me about what's going on, at least I have an answer for him why I think the way I think. I would just say it just to say it. Exactly. Would you say that? Yeah. Would you say that's agreeable? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's why, like, when I went on that rant. Now, I'll admit, we talked. We didn't talk about the whole show. We talked about a little bit this on the phone. And I went on that rant about the Toon Squad thing, and you literally said to me, "Well, they think they're the good guys." I had nothing to say. I was like, it's, it's, "That's a valid point." That was a valid point. I could. I was like, yeah. "Now, granted, my only, the only argument I could think of to say was." Well, Elvis thinks that, but I don't think that's what they were thinking when they did it. That's all I had to say. Other than that, it was a solid fucking answer. I was like, yeah. fuck, he had me. He found an answer. He found I, a way I, I, to justify I, I, this I should, shit. I should work in PR. I should work in PR. I could spin shit all fucking day. Yeah. Well, speaking of spinning shit, um, we got a trios match next. Uh, we have... The Hardy Family Office, which has Angelico and Private Party versus Jurassic Express. We have Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus with Marco Polo and Christian Cage. This was a quick match. It wasn't really crazy. Matt Hardy did some shenanigans at first. 
They chase them out. Christian Cage chase off Matt Hardy, pretty much. Um, Private Party is doing their flippity doodah shit, whatever, with Angelico. Angelico, you know, am I? I think I might be the number one fan of Angelico. I don't. I don't know if there's a bigger fan of Angelico other than me. I don't like him in the HFO. I don't. I thought I was gonna do something for him, but the thing is, like, Angelico's been under the radar for like he's like my Cesaro of AEW or Lucha Underground. He should have been somewhere. I think he needs to revamp his style or revamp his look or do something because Angelico at this point should not be doing the big spots that he's doing right now and he should go for a different direction. I love Angelico. I want him to do better. Private Party is still new. Their style they're using. I think they even came out to Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy's old Hardy Boy pants. Did you see that in the match? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so they're paying homage to the old Hardy Boys thing, whatever. Angelico does not seem to fits this mold so i think angelico needs to break away and do something different because i think two things angelico needs to change his attire and change his moveset he's too big to be doing the things he's doing i know i'm wrong i like flipping to do that shit more than you do because you don't really care for it. i get it angelico needs to change everything about him the way his look is i think he needs to change his repertoire because with all these people doing the same shit he did in lucha underground it doesn't fit the narrative anymore. It's weird. This is a quick match. Christian Cage wins with Jurassic Express. Uh, Michael Stone was there. Hooray. I don't give a shit about him really, but nonetheless. It was, a, it, was a, it was like a nothing match. It wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst. But like it was a lot of flippy, cool shit, whatever. But at the same time, Angelico does not seem to fit the HFO. I think he needs to break away from that and become his own man. I'm not sure how. He breaks away, does something else, maybe gets an injury and gets off TV for like two or three weeks or two months and comes back his own man. But I need Angelico to break away because I don't know what's going on. I, I just don't feel that he's a good fit for the HFO. What do you feel about that? Um, I haven't seen enough of the HFO to really have an opinion, but I don't know if Angelico, I think that he's not necessarily, I think he's like in the Hardy family office, but I don't think he was meant to mesh with private party necessarily. It's like a, in a six man, there's you when you have like a tag team and a singles guy, there's the singles guy is still supposed to be his own person. So I don't know if Angelico is meant to mesh with that. I think that was just a six man. With I don't I don't feel you know remember how I've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, like you know, some pe some people are hitting their strides and it's taking time to get there. I feel like Angelico being in the Hardy family organization or the HFO, whatever. I don't feel like he's progressing. He's spinning his wheels. You know what I'm saying? Like, instead of, like, going one way or the other, I feel like he's just there, and he's not doing anything. Like, he, don't get me wrong. He's a prolific wrestler. I love his spots. He does a lot of great spots. But I just feel like he needs to do more big man stuff because he's bigger than most wrestlers there. I'm not saying, like, he's, like, a Lance Archer or a Moxley or, you know, any of those kind of those characters. But I just feel like I think he should – tone it down and be more wrestling based and dress his age because he's a little bit older than he was when he first started Lucha on the ground. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm, that, that's just a perspective from me. So. No, no, I hear you. Um, but then, and I also, because I noticed it also, like Christian still comes out to how he is and then, and then Jurassic Express comes out and I'm going to say this. I know we've said this before, but it bears repeating. Jungle Boy's over. Jungle Boy is over as Dude. fuck, especially with, the, especially with the crowd. Yes. I mean, it's... it's. 
it's, the it's, music it's like almost works like for Orange him. Cassidy when he does the whole the hands in the pocket. But Jungle Boy, the man of not so many words, is so over. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, because that crowd falls along that oh, 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 like he's over. I mean, what? I don't, I don't feel like I, there's a. I, here's the thing: if he just gets a little bit better on the mic or starts talking more, he could branch off on his own. And I'm thinking the same thing too. I kind of hope, and I mean, I don't want to see it happen. It would break my heart, but I do. I want Luchasaurus to turn on Jungle Boy just to make Luchasaurus that monster he's supposed to be, right? And make yeah. like Jungle Boy that 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 uh, underdog baby face everybody knows who he is. So, as much as I don't want to see Jurassic Express. Break up, but I kind of do because I kind of want Marco Stone out of the picture. <laughs> like, I, I like, hey, buddy, I love you, but you gotta go. Yes, um, get out of this go. little. Get out of this little, go. Get out, get out of, yeah, you need to go. You need to go away. Like, um, but I'd like to see Luchasaurus turn on Jungle Boy, and then Jungle Boy like become a man and try to fight against Luchasaurus. <coughs> I don't necessarily need. We don't need to have Jungle Boy really take down the monster. I think Luchasaurus needs to, since Jungle Boy's so over, we need Luchasaurus to actually get some credibility now because he's been on losing in a lot of matches because of the Jurassic Express. So I think the feud between him and Luchasaurus will get it over as fuck. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's just me thinking out loud. Oh, and I, and I got the perfect idea to do it. Hold on. Here's what you do. You book him in a tag team title match, whether it be against the Bucks or whoever has the belts at the time. Probably the Bucks because I doubt they're going to lose anytime soon. And you have them lose. Like, let's say something happens and Jungle Boy eats the pin from one of the bucks. Like, let's say Jungle Boy goes for a move. Maybe he accidentally hits Luchasaurus. Something happens. He gets the super kick and the one, two, three. And loses. Luchasaurus snaps, beats the hell out of Jungle Boy. Like, I'm talking decimates the shit out of Jungle Boy. Like... I, I, even better, he, he takes out Marco Stunt too, just to, as a, at a bonus. Yeah, like Marco Stunt tries to stop it, and he just just and he just takes out Marco Stunt. Like Marco Stunt tries to play peacemaker, and Luchasaurus is like, "Fuck you, you worthless midget," and then kicks him out. And then he, but I'm talking like when he decimates Jungle Boy, I, I would go as far as to say this: when it's over, I want to see Jungle Boy with a crimson mask. I want to see. Decimation. Stretchered out. Stretchered out. Stretchered out. I want to see serious. Because I want this to be like, this is real shit. And then you have Luchasaurus come out, and this happens at a pay-per-view, on the following Dynamite. If it happens on a Dynamite, which it probably will, because I have to give away free shit on TV, you have him come back to TV next week. Luchasaurus is out. He cuts a promo. I don't know exactly what he would say, but I want the gist of it to be... You know, all I ever hear about is the boy and his dinosaur. Well, I'm nobody's dinosaur. I'm my own reptile. Instead of saying I'm my own person. You know, okay. I'm my own reptile or Jurassic or whatever the fucking term is. I hear you, man. He can, he can he, sit there and say it like, you know, though, it's like, it's like you know, it comes out of my shoulders. I'm carrying him. I'm carrying a fucking team. Um, I'm carrying this little midget who's hanging around my legs over here. And everybody's talking about, like, everybody's singing to your theme, which is not my theme. And I'm just there to take the brunt of the hits. 
take all the things. I'm doing all the big hits, and you come in for the pin. Like, what am I getting from this whole thing? I never got a tag team shots, never got tag team gold, and I'm losing my name, my reputation based on you? No. I am my own reptile. I am Luchasaurus, and I will be damned if my name gets dragged through the mud for another thousand years. Like, just some kind of reptile, like some yeah, kind of dinosaur I, or, or whatever. I, yeah, I'm not going to be ignored for another 65 million years or something like that. And Age of the dinosaur yes, has come. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, and then he goes on, and Luchasaurus just go. And here's the thing. Since we already said Jungle Boy gets stretched out, Jungle Boy can sit at home. Luchasaurus fucking dominates everything, everyone in his way. Put a t- Not necessarily the world title, but you can put a title on him if you must. Probably making the TNT champion. He just de- he decimates everybody. And then when the time is right, you bring, bring back Jungle back Boy. And I would even change his name to Jungle Man. Even though I jokingly call Grip Garrison Jungle Man and will continue to do so because it's funny. <laughs> I I would I would have him come back and say, you know what? You don't have to worry about the boy and his dinosaur. Because I'm a man now. And as a man, I'm looking you in the eye and I'm going to tell you, I'm taking that TNT championship from you and I'm going to kick your ass in the process. Or something like that. And then you book the match, Jungle Man... Jack Perry versus Luchasaurus and Jungle Man beats Luchasaurus and takes the title. That would pop so hard. That's a, that, And there you go. Because by that time, Luchasaurus has been on a hot streak. So he ain't, so him losing a Jungle Man, Jungle Man ain't going to hurt nothing. It's not going to hurt him. And it's going to make Jungle Man look good because he just came back from an injury. With a new attitude, whoops, Luchasaurus, and wins the title. There you and go. Jungle Man actually takes Jungle Man takes some time off, puts some pounds on, puts some muscle on. Yes, and it's more of a credible threat than what's going on. So yeah, no, I I, I I totally agree with you. I think that sounded great. And here, and I'll make it even better since being the elite is part of the show. I would have epi- I would have scenes of being the elite of Jungle Man rehabbing him in the hospital. Recovering from the injuries, going to the gym, bulking up. Maybe no. do that, and then that way you got to watch being the elite. And I'll even have them advertise it. Watch being the elite to see the the progress of Jungle of Jungle Boy, Jungle Man. And then, or, or let's still call him Jungle Boy because he's not going to talk. He does no talking. It's just him in the gym. He don't say a fucking word till he comes back. But you don't have him speak. Just have him in the gym rehabbing people want to talk to him but he's ignoring them he he ignores the cameras he ignores everybody you know he tells brandon cutler go piss up a rope i ain't talking to you and goes back to rehabbing and then comes back and then that's when he cuts the promo that's when he wants the match and then he takes the title think the crowd will pop yeah they will that's that's how you build this. Again, TK, I'm giving you material here. You're not even paying me, you. although I wish you would. You're welcome. 
You're welcome. I mean, TK loves your input. I'll make sure I send a message about it and say it's my idea. Thank you. All right. But that being said, match was great. No, it's okay. We're going to move on to the next one. We got Julia Hart with the Varsity Blondes versus Thunder Rosa. And I say this with a tear in my eye. This is probably the worst Thunder Rosa match I've ever seen in my whole life. Oh, God. Yeah. I think, again, I think you're not a fan of Julia Hart. Um, she is greener than Snoop Dogg's fucking weed, man. <laughs> I, uh, I love that. She is, uh, I mean, she has a future. She's just not there. Um, uh, um, I don't know. Like, um, I'm glad she's with Brian Pillman Jr. I'm glad she's with like a uh, Jungle Man, Jungle um, Griff Garrison. Jungle Man, Griff Garrison. If you watch AEW, everybody says, "Who the fuck is uh, Griff Garrison?" Um, <laughs> she's got this cheerleading thing, and here's the thing: she was actually a cheerleader, a professional cheerleader. I'm trying to look if she was like actually in the hearts. Um, you know, dungeon or something like that, and she hasn't. No, she was in the night. Um, she trained in the Nightmare Factory. Yeah, but I was thinking like maybe she had been like you know in some kind of hard dungeon or something like that. No, and she wasn't. It just it so happens to be hard. That's all. Um, yeah, she's not really in the hard family at all. Here's the thing. Here's the, here's the thing. You know how you say like don't sleep on people, sleep on people, whatever. Yeah. I want to sleep on Julia Hart as of right now. I think we should keep her on dark or elevation. There's no disrespect to her. Thunder Rosa tried her best to try to bring the best out of Julia Hart, but it just wasn't there. Yeah. Um, this is the first match that Thunder Rosa's actually been signed to AEW. I thought she'd have a more credible threat or anything else, but like, there was just too many misses, too many botches, too many things that went wrong that didn't actually make sense in this match. It was a quick match. Thunder Rosa won. Um, Julia Hart, I mean... Listen, man, we see potential in you. We do. You're there. We see something there, but the thing is, like, you need to be somewhere else, just not on Dynamite, because we shouldn't be showcasing you on the main show. You should be showcased on Dynamite Dark or Elevation. And there's, there's, there's no dick to it. There's no embarrassment to it. In WWE, you have to go through NXT. Um, before NXT, you had to go to the Indies. And there's no, there's nothing wrong with it. Learn your craft. We see something potential. Like, remember we had the potential with um, Britt Baker about a year and a half ago? Like, Britt Baker, man, she's got something. It's not there. Her timing's not there yet. Julia Hart, I'll tell you this right now. I'm sleeping on her right now because she's not where she's supposed to be at. Yeah. But I'll tell you what. Give her about a year, year and a half. She's going to be something to fuck with. I'm telling you. She's got something. I can see the spunk. It's not there because she's very, very, very green. It's like the same thing for me. I'm a 41-year-old guy. If I was to join wrestling right now, if I was to join a match, I'd probably give it my best, but I won't be as credible or knowledgeable about the spots and camera angles and everything else. Julia Hart is that very doe-eyed, uh, deer-in-headlights kind of wrestler. Eventually, that's going to fade out, and it's going to make her so much better for it. So I'm grateful for the fact that she's on her TV. But I'll tell you what, though. I'd rather keep her off TV to get more credible people. Like, I haven't seen um, Red Velvet in a long-ass fucking time on TV. Why don't you bring her on? Um, 
thank you so much for not bringing Jade Cardgill on TV because that was a great fucking win. Uh, but at the same time, like, you know, with this women's match, we could have had somebody else. You know, we could have had somebody else to fight Thunder Rosa for our first sign-on match with the AEW. But you know what, though? I'm not sure they have a perspective for Julia Hart. Maybe they have something going on. But at the same token, uh, whatever. This was just like a, a nothing match. Thunder Rosa yeah. won. Fantastic. You know, whatever. It is what it is. Well, here's the thing. You also got to take into account. Julia Hart is 19 years old. Oh, wow. This is a young. This is a young she's young. So she's still got a lot to learn. She's a kid. So she's still a teen, technically. But, um... Well, she, I mean, I, I get that. It's a bit, but I think it's like there's a time and place for these people. No, 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 absolutely. I'm just... I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with anything that you just said. Everything you just said is great. I'm just throwing in other factors that, that explain why she's so inexperienced. One, she's 19 years old. Uh, two, she was a... She is a national cheerleading champion. Two-time national cheerleading champion. Um... But also, the only few matches she's had, like, she was trained by Cody Rhodes, Dustin, and QT Marshall. She's from Bloomington, Minnesota. And uh, so far, she's, you know, she was actually the one, one she actually lost to Britt Baker on the uh, Blood and Guts show. She was on that show. She had wrestled uh, Britt Baker and lost, and lost by submission. So she's kind of getting TV time because I think they're trying to get her comfortable in front of the camera, but clearly she's young. So that's why I kind of give her a pass on being as green as she is. Um, so, and because of that, I'm not going to be as harsh as I am on other male and female wrestlers when they're in the ring. Although I will say this, until she gets experience, like you said, she needs to be on dark. That needs to be where if she's on AEW at all, she needs to spend a lot of time on Dark, and she's spent a lot of time in the Nightmare Factory. And TK needs to understand that until she knows a wrist lock from a wristwatch, do not put her in a credible feud. Because if she shits the bed, it's gonna make you look bad. And you don't. And last thing you need is another wrestler shitting the bed and making you look bad. You got enough of those already. Well, here's the thing. That, and the thing is, like, you know, with her being so young, 19 years old, joining the product, it just shows her her great uh, determination to get into the craft and do something with it. I'm not taking anything away from her. I'm not, I'm not saying it was a bad match. I'm just saying she's green. And the thing is, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker, The Rock, Triple H, all these people, they were green at one point, too. And the thing is, like, I'm not saying she's a bad wrestler. She's not. She's just green. She's a little green behind the ears. And that's fine. Because the thing is, like, eventually she's going to be great. 19 years old? Could you imagine where she's going to be within a year or two? She's going to be great. And the thing is, like, I see potential. I think she has a lot of great potential. I do too. I think she's going to be a great fan. I think she's going to be a great, fantastic potential for the future of AW, especially women's championship. You know, she's got potential. But the thing is, like, she's going to put her time in. So right now, I'm, I'm enthusiastic about seeing this young up and comer come together. And put her matches together. I think she's gonna be great. Just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit of time, bros. Yes. She's gonna get there. Yes, absolutely. And on that note, we move on to the main event of the evening. The second labor of Jericho in a no rules match, which is code for it's deathmatch bullshit, ladies and gentlemen, because we have the pain maker Chris Jericho. Versus 
Nick Effin fucking Gage. Gage. Yeah, so um this has been a much some trap, you know, some some controversy. Um listen ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm, I know everything about Nick Gage. I don't. Um I watched his documentary on Dark Side of the Ring like everybody else did. Convicted felon, drug abuser, his brother died. You know, um, this we all we all saw the documentary. Okay, we all saw it. Okay, we all know what Nick Gage is all about. We know he's the king of the deathcore, uh, hardcore, or let me let me say the best way Jim Cornette says it: Mud Show Outlaw Wrestling Shows is bullshit. Oh, it's gonna listen. I know. Okay, I get it. Though. I get it though. It's Nick fucking Gage. There's a certain criteria that comes with him. He's got a hardcore following. Is it for the masses? No. Do we expect to see Nick Gage on TV from TNT after this? You might see one-offs one here and there, but he's not going to be signed with AEW anytime soon. He's not, okay? But the thing is, it's let's let's take aside Nick Gage from the picture just for one second. This is a one-off, just from my perspective. The true meaning of this whole match was is the five labors of Jericho. No rules match. Nick Gage versus the paymaker Chris Jericho. MGF is bringing, and this is the beautiful thing about this revolving door, because it's not a broken door anymore. It's like the, the forbidden door anymore. That thing's gone. It's a revolving door. The revolving door that is AW, like every time you, you, you push a door, it's a different company. Is it and, you know, New Japan? Is it a CZW? Is it GCW? Is it going to be Ring of Honor? You don't know, because every time you push a door, it's like, boop, it's like, oh, you got impact. You got Ring of Honor. So it's like, you don't know what the fuck's going to happen next week. So Chris Jericho is going through his labors of pain because he wants to get his hands on MJF. And the beauty of not just the match, just like the match, it's it's pretty gruesome. We'll get to that in a second. The fact that every time a match ends and Chris Jericho eventually does win, because he does, um, he bring, like MJF gets to propose a new stipulation. Every stipulation is a different avenue for a different type of thing. The first one was Sean Spears with a chair. Chris Jericho couldn't use it. He won that one. The second one, which is surprise everybody else, he gets to fight Nick fucking Gage. Now, this one, it was fucking brutal, man. It was hard to watch sometimes. I, for one, like hardcore matches when it's done okay. Um, I'm not going to shut it like, you know, Jim Cornette or the Colts of Cornette's going to sit there and shit on it. But for what it was worth, it was pretty okay you know with the fluorescent lights with the glass i mean like it was pretty fucking gruesome um everybody knows about the pizza cutter situation with dominoes and whatever i think we'll probably talk about that in um our little me and Vinny do our little uh potpourri show every fucking week which you hear i'm you know um here shortly but um for a gruesome match let's just say it this way we had nick fucking gage on national television on tnt for the main events which he would never make it on any other TV show other than AEW. I'm not sure how the Tony Khan decided to pull this off. Maybe because he was basing on the popularity of Dark Side of the Ring. But this was really fucking gruesome. I saw Chris Jericho plead for his fucking life in this match. You know, when he, when he hit him with the fluorescent lights, I guess that shit burns. I don't know. I never got hit with fluorescent lights. Nor will I ever because I'm never going to put myself in that position. But it was pretty fucking gruesome, man. My wife walked in and she's like, why are they doing that? I'm like, because that's it's a no rules match. I'm like, and she's like, why is Chris Jericho dressed like a fucking clown? I'm like, because he wants to be more <laughs> hardcore. I guess I don't know. It's weird. My wife, my wife, my wife walked in on me watching this match. She's like, okay, this is stupid. I'm walking away. 
Exactly. Exactly. That right there is another key element. What's that? Elvis, how often does your wife watch wrestling? Oh, never. So you would... No, no, no. no. I'll tell you what, though. I, I, I tell you what, though, when she watched Lucha Underground with me, she watched it with me because it was intriguing television. But go ahead. Okay. Would I you see where you're going with this, but go ahead. Would you classify her as a wrestling fan? No, she fucking hates wrestling. Okay. So somebody who never watched, or not, not watched wrestling, but doesn't like wrestling, uh-huh. took one look at that and said, what the fuck? That oh, right there. It wasn't so much. That right there. And I know is is the point that a lot of wrestling analysts and wrestling purists or and even people like Cornette make is that people who don't know anything about wrestling see this deathmatch garbage, no psychology, stupidity shit, and think in their mind. That's what pro wrestling is. And that's why oh, certain oh, let me, let me, they look at that and think let, that's let me, wrestling. No, 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 no. Let me, let, me, let me back it up for a second, buddy. You're right. You're right. The typical fan would watch or someone who's not a fan who watches and says, like, what the fuck's this and gets upset. I totally get that sentiment, right? At the same point, my wife could be watching me watching... Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus Macho Man Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3. Watch that match and say, this is fucking stupid too. So, she gets to sit there and watch CM Punk versus John Cena in Chicago at Money in the Bank for the championship. Watch that match and say, this is fucking stupid. Here's the thing. In her mind, wrestling's fucking stupid regardless if it's a pizza cutter. It's fluorescent, fluorescent lights. You can sit there and have the best match. You can have the most... Technically sound match, five star, like a true five star match. She'll walk in, look at that match, and say, This is fucking stupid. You know how many times she used to watch us watch wrestling and say, This is fucking stupid? <laughs> every fucking time. Not just for this match, but for every fucking match. She's like, This is fucking stupid. Same thing, I mean, it, it, it happens to her too. She watches uh, reality TV shows, right? She watches like The Real Housewives. So I'm usually upstairs, she's downstairs, she's watching her product, right? She's watching her TV show, I'm watching mine. Sometimes I go downstairs to go grab a beer. And she could watch a TV show. It could be a prolific moment in a in a real housewives moment. When I see it, they're bickering or fighting, or when they have the reunion shows for like um the Real Housewives or for Below Deck or um whatever show she's watching, I could watch it and say it doesn't matter how far or engaged I am. I'm not engaged in those shows at all. So I sit down and watch those people scream at each other and yell at each other. Lee Marie might think it's a prolific moment. To me, I'll be like, oh, this is fucking stupid. It doesn't matter what point you drop me in in a Real, Real Housewives scenario or um, uh, Vanderpump Rules or um, any of those TV shows. If you drop me in in any of those situations and I watch the TV show for five minutes, I'll be, I'll be like, that's fucking stupid. You can't change my mind. That's the thing about wrestling. You can't take someone who's a non-wrestling watcher, watch wrestling. It could be the most prolific match. You can have Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. You can watch Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. A pure wrestling enthusiast match, right? If you're not a fan, 
You're not. You're gonna be like, this is fucking stupid. So although I do see the sentiments of what Jim Cornette says, well, the people are gonna think this is wrestling. No, people have an idea what wrestling is. This is a hardcore match. It's different. But you can't change the mind of a Lee Marie to say, hey, this is Nick fucking Gage. Unless she saw the documentary and gets a little feedback of what's going on. But regardless, even if she saw the feedback, she would still say, this is stupid as fuck. Because first of all, she doesn't get wrestling. And she doesn't give a fuck about wrestling. The same way, I would watch Vanderpump Rules and say, fuck. I can't believe Lala did that. I can't believe that whatever, whatever. You, you know what I'm saying? You can't drop me a scenario where I walk into her world and say, oh, this is cool. There's... There's not one reality TV show you can drop me into and say, oh, that's cool, or that's fun. You know this better than anybody else, Vinny. When wrestling is fucking good, it's fucking great. And when it's bad, it's fucking bad, dude. You know what I'm saying? Well, totally, yeah. This was not this – is, this is not fucking great. But the thing is, I'm not worried about the other people walking into this product, watching and say, what the fuck, pizza cutters? What the fuck's going on? This is a brutal fucking match. It was It was – not for the lighthearted. But I'm not worried about what Lee Marie thinks when it comes to this product. Because I'm not worried about her becoming a fan. Because there is nothing. Unless Ricky Martin, which she has the biggest crush on. Unless Ricky Martin was to put on Spanx and come wrestle in AEW. That is the only reason she'll watch AEW. Other than that, it's fucking stupid bullshit. So I'm not worried about the other people who might be tagging along and might catch AEW. Because this is not wrestling. This was just... I'm going to say like Jim Cornette, outlaw, much all bullshit, whatever. But the thing is, for the people who are engaged in a documentary of Nick Gage, you get to see him on live TV. Why not jump on a piggyback on that? Because the thing is, it creates buzz, and people want to see what it's all about. Was it a, a five-star wrestling match? Fuck no, it wasn't. It was pizza cutters. It was tubes. It was fucking a, a piece of glass set up on uh, two chairs. Okay? So this was not a prolific wrestling match. This is what... Nick Gage is all about. He's about props. He's he's the fucking uh, what's the guy with the red hair? Carrot Top. He was the Carrot Top of fucking wrestling. Hate to say it, but it's true. He's got a shtick. It makes Family, him money. He's gonna stick to it. If Pizza Baby became a million dollar thing, whatever, you would run that shit to the ground because you're making millions of dollars. It works, right? Yeah, it works. Okay, I'm the same. If you made money off something that, like, everybody's into, whatever. But I'm not worried about people like Lee Marie. There's there's people like Lee Marie. You're never going to get that fan base. And it's just, it's their personality. They just don't get it, and they never will. Same thing with comic books. Some people like comic book movies or TV shows or cartoons, and some people just can't stand it. You're never going to win that base, and that's just the way it is. Wrestling's wrestling. We're, we're, we're the D&D of, of TV. You know what I'm saying? The D and D of TV. Yeah. Interesting. It's like Vinny. Well, think about it this way: D and D. If you're into it, you're into it. If you're not, there's no there's there's no middle ground, Vinny. Am I wrong? I mean, there's no middle ground with D and D. If you like D and D, you like it. And if you don't like it, you don't even want to fucking like even participate. <laughs> that is true. It is. I can't convince a friend who's never watched wrestling before to watch wrestling with me and tell them how great it is. Either they're totally into it, or they're gonna be like, "Nah, this is this is some gay shit. I'm not gonna watch it. This is some fake ass gay shit. Whatever. I'm gonna watch it." And that's the way they, they feel about it. I mean, you know, I might tell people I do a wrestling podcast. 
you see their eye. Either they're totally into it or like, oh, this guy's a fucking nerd. Or this this guy's into fake ass shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's weird. I don't mind I don't mind doing recaps of wrestling because, yeah, I know it's fake. It's pre-scripted. It's a good story. But I like Um, I can't tell you how great The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin is because if you don't into the product, you don't even know. If I told you how great um, uh, CM Punk and uh, John Cena was... I could tell you all day, but unless you really get into it, it's all for naught. Am I right? I mean, yeah, I can see that. I'm just saying. Wow. But yeah, I mean, but the reason, the point I was trying to make is the fact that I'm basically saying that this is, that deathmatch wrestling is a fucking disgrace. Like... This is like the fact that you know, you know, I think I think it's, this is it's absolute garbage because there's no psychology in it whatsoever. And basically, all it did was expose the fact that without deathmatch weapons, Nick Gage is about as lost as an illegal immigrant at a vote for Trump rally in that fucking ring. Well, here's the thing, man. Like he's, you know, he's fucking useless without weapons. I mean, you and I could. Bo- well, that's the thing. I mean, the thing is, it's a shtick. It doesn't matter. Like, listen, you know your favorite wrestlers. You know their shtick. Some people are good on the mic. Some people are good on whatever. But here's the thing. His model, his template for as a wrestler is not the same as what you're going to expect. He's got a certain... He's got He's got a... How can I say? He's got a, a move set that fits him well. He can't do anything more. He can't do anything less. And the thing is, like, there's a fan base that's just for that. Yeah. So and with that said, and, yeah, and they're de- and they're shitty fucking people. It's insanity because basically, what he does is not wrestling. Because there's no talent well, I mean, in like, what he does. No, 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 nothing I at all. The thing is, like, they're, they're, no, listen, listen. I totally get it. I totally get. I totally get what you're coming from. I'm not disregarding what you're saying. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and wave the flag for Nick Gage. I'm not going to, okay? He's got a shtick. He's got certain things that got, he's got going for him, and that's his thing. I won't take it away. People like it. People don't. You're just one of those people who don't. The same reason, like, you don't really care for AEW. I'm not taking that away from you. You don't like the new style. It's different. So I'm not really crazy about Nick Gage myself. I think the match was just more like a, a story-based step. For Chris Jericho to get to everybody's missing that point. That's just a step for Chris Jericho. It's a punishment. It's a trial of Chris Jericho. And that's what we need to take away from it. So not for the fact that Nick Gage is on there. He has a certain purpose in the wrestling world. His purpose is to simply be the king of hardcore. And the thing is, if that's who he wants to be, let him be that. He will never be anything more, Vinny. He's never gonna be that prolific wrestler. He's never gonna be an AW like as a technical wrestler. He's not gonna be in WWE. He belongs in the Indies. He's gonna stay there. He he got his one shot to be on AEW. And the thing is, like, it might sprout like one or two more matches, maybe if he's lucky. But he's not gonna be a staple for AEW. He can't, because Nick Gage. It's like when you have like a wild animal, you can put him on. You can sit there and put him on a TV show for a while, but eventually, his fans who are diehard are gonna say that he's sold out. He's more about his brand as opposed to anything else. He wants to be king of hardstyle. He wants to sit there and cuss. He wants to sit there and he wants to be free. He doesn't want to be a cage by rules. 
Nick Gage is not someone you could cage. I mean, I'm sorry. Nick Gage is not someone who you could cage. They even rhymes. You can't cage the Gage. But yeah, and the point he you might, just said right he, there, though. He's a wild animal. Because it's also, he has a reputation for not being safe to work with. For taking well, liberties with what, people in the ring. About. So, so with that said, like you're not going to sit there and do anything else. Tony Khan's probably just living off the... The hype of, um, you know, Dark Side of the Ring. And why wouldn't you? It's a smart bet to go on. Why wouldn't That's you? A because very smart bet to go on. Because here's the thing. First of all, if this is supposed to be a chapter in the labor, you just had a death match as chapter two. You got three more chapters. We're not going to see yeah. a match more violent than that. That should have been labor have number go. four before he got to MJF. If you were going to do something, if you were going to do this stupid shit, which anyone with a business mind on television would tell you, don't book shit like this. No one with a brain would do that. That's it, It's insanity. Because it's a massive turnoff to anyone with morals and a conscience. Like this is at, like I've because I'm saying I've seen the whole I've seen I also saw the documentary of Nick Gage. In fact, Zach and I talk about it on an episode of Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring, which is going to come out once you, me, and Dez get the Brian Pillman videos done. Because I like to put things out in chronological order, but we have that already filmed and in the can. The Nick Gage video is already in the can. I'm just waiting for you, me, and Dez to do Brian the Brian Pillman videos. And then we can start putting these, and we can start putting at least those three out. But I've seen Nick Gage. This he is the most deplorable retard I have ever seen in wrestling. Like this is a guy who is so fucked in the head that even ECW guys look at him and go, "He is fucking, he is a fucking idiot." You know how fucked up you have to be. For ECW people to think you're fucked up. Look at the shit ECW did. They look at these guys and go, you're fucking idiots. Like, that's a that's an indication something's wrong. Because ECW did a lot of extreme shit. And I've seen a lot of hardcore matches. And I've seen a lot of street fights. But you know the difference is? Between those matches and what Nick Gage does? The other matches have psychology. With Nick Gage, there is no psychology. With Nick Gage, there is no storytelling. He just picks up blunt instruments and hits people in the head with it. I could fucking do what Nick Gage does. Now, could I take the amount of pain he could take? Probably not. But as far as what he does, there's nothing physically I saw him do in a ring that I couldn't do in my backyard. Nothing. Now, I've seen other wrestlers do things that I couldn't do. Even the spot monkeys. They do shit that I can't do because I can't flip. I didn't do gymnastics. I wasn't a competition cheerleader. I can't do flips and shit like that. But Nick Gage, there's nothing he's done in a ring that I can't do in my backyard or in an alley or out in the middle of the, or out in the, middle of the goddamn street. Nothing. Like, there is nothing amazing about this guy. Except for the fact that he don't give a fuck and that turns people on. 
And it only turn and it turns on a portion of the population that if you met those people in person, you wouldn't want to hang out with them in the first place. Because it takes a special kind of crazy to idolize that special kind of crazy. And it's like, oh, he's oh, but he's over with the crowd. He's got he got a big fan base. You know who else had a big fan base? Charles fucking Manson. All right, you're you're going to the extreme over here, so let's let, yeah, let get off topic. I, yeah, it's, you're, you're you're just I mean the, the spew of hey you're throwing out though I'm not gonna sit there and go engage in it whatever. Anyway, so match ended with uh, Chris Jericho spitting out a green mist like the Great Muda back in the day. Blind Nick Gage hits him with the Judas effect one two three. The match is over because Vinny just likes to sit there and go on a deep tangent about everything and nothing that is what's going on. So I apologize, folks, for all the hatred that Mister Vinny Bucci likes to throw out pointing to Gage. I get it, though. That's for another time. But anyways, I apologize to all my EW fans who have listened to that garbage for the past 20 minutes. You son of a bitch. You killed my time. Now I'm older than I was two minutes ago. Thank you. Um, after the match, MDF tells Chris Jericho that the third match of Labor's Love um, of, the, uh, of the Labor's of Jericho will be a battle between the greatest foes moving to Guerrera. And do you know how they brought this match? Juventud Guerrero, do you know why they brought Juventud Guerrero? Uh, I can't remember, but I'm sure you're going to tell us. I'll be happy to. First and foremost, many, many months ago, when Chris Jericho and Mr. Uh, MDF were having a little feud, whatever, Jericho, and this is continuity in its finest, Chris Jericho said, with your mom, about 20 years ago, or 25 years ago, when Juventud Guerrero and Chris Jericho wrestling got really hot and horny doing a match with Juventud Guerrero and Chris Jericho nine months later popped out of MJF <laughs> and he says like if you don't know who Juventud Guerrero is do a Google search so MJF is like you know what though it's funny you said to go do a Google search but he's like you know what though I did and I found a man and that's gonna be your next challenge for next fucking week he's got the juice Juventud Guerrero, who's going to face against Chris Jericho next week on AEW on Wednesday nights. And his continuity from a promo he cut months ago. Motherfucker. Yeah. It's great continuity. But again, here's the big question. You just had a death match mm-hmm. on TV. How are Jericho and Hoovy going to top that? Well, think about it this way, Vinny. The first match was a match where Sean Spears used a chair where Chris Car- Chris Jericho didn't. So it was kind of like a, almost a hardcore match, but not really, just because of a, a chair stipulation because he's the chairman of AEW. The second one was a death match. The third one's going to be a flippity-floppity, high spots, who knows what Hoobie could bring to the table. Oh, yeah. A regular wrestling match with high spots. Mm. So I think what they're doing is they're bringing in different kind of variations of wrestling matches before he gets to the final eventual match with with uh, MJF. So they're bringing up different things to get there. So that's all it is. He's bringing up different, different kind of roles, different kind of stipulations for him to go through hell to try to get to MJF. So that means facing an old foe. And I'm not sure if you ever face against an old foe. Like, you know, watching the Bulls play against the Knicks, that's the old foe. Watching Patrick Ewing go against Michael Jordan, you know it's going to be a close call. But Michael Jordan always came on top. But the thing is, you always know the despicable fucking New York Knicks were always going to be at a thorn in the side of the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. That's the best way to explain it. So well, 
Although you although you won a championship, you beat them every fucking year, but it does not mean that person wasn't a thorn in your side for all those years. Yeah. And Jericho and Hooventude definitely had some great matches. And I yes, actually speaking of Hooventude, I actually had an epiphany when I watched um because when I was a kid, I wasn't like a diehard Hooventude fan, but I thought he was pretty cool. Uh-huh. I recently Gator and I do like the pay-per-view reviews, and I've been watching a lot of pay-per-views from WCW. And I've been watching a lot of Hooventude's matches. And I realized something. If I Hooventude, the way he wrestled is the type of wrestling I hate today. Like, if Hoovy was around, if I didn't see Hooventude Guerrero when I was a kid, if I saw him at this age right now for the first time, I would fucking hate him. I would. Like, I would... If, like, if, 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 if this match on Dynamite was my first time seeing Hooventude Guerrero, my immediate first reaction would be this fucking spot monkey bullshit loser. Now, obviously, I know Hoovy's history, so I can go. I can give him the legendary respect. But I realized I would have hated him. I would have hated him if I saw him with my analyst brain and not my young kid not knowing any better brain. I wouldn't have been as big a fan of Hoovy as a kid. Ah, well, I think we're being for. Uh... You know, what can I say? Uh, rude Awakening for next week. So, I think it was a good match. I think it was a good show. I mean, overall, Thunder Rosa match was not so great. Um, you know, just due to the person she was on there with. Um, I, th- I, th- I thought it was a pretty fun show, man. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah. I, there were parts that I enjoyed, but there was also a lot of things that made my blood boil, and I got them off my chest. So, uh, before we uh, wrap this up, I believe we have some rankings to get to. You remember? There you go. Oh, of course, I uh, I'm not used to AEW, so I have to remind myself. But uh, Elvis, uh, tell us the rankings for uh, AEW. Now, do keep in mind it is now August 1st. These are the rankings as of July 28th, before your show started. So the rankings might change next week, which it will. So next time you hear my voice, it will change again. We do have the world's greatest champion, uh, Kenny Omega, Kool Aid off his nuts all day. You know that. Um, your number, uh, your TNT champion is, uh, the Redeemer, God's favorite champion, Miro. Number one contender, again, this is going to change because, uh, Hangman Anna Page is no longer number one contender. So, at the current moment, when they wrote this, it's Hangman Anna Page. Number two, you have Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Uh, number three, you have Christian Cage. Number four, you have Darby Allen, And number five, you have Orange Cassidy. Again, these rankings will change next time. So, when you hear me... Adam Page will be taken off his list. Jungle Boy will be number one, and vice versa. Um, number two, you have a uh, the women's champion. You have Britt Baker. Number one contender, you have Thunder Rosa. Number two, you have Ty Conte. Number three, you have Chris Statlander. Number four, you have Akira Shida. And finally, number five, we have Red Velvet. So she's following the rankings. Last but not least, you have the world's greatest tag team champions in the world, the Young Bucks, as your current tag team champions. Number one contenders, we have Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr., the Varsity Blondes. The Acclaimed with Anthony Bowens and Max Caster. Private Party, we have uh, Isaiah Cassie and Mark Quinn. Number four, we have FTR with Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. And last but not least, we have Centeno Ortiz at number five for your tag team rankings. Now, remember, folks, this will be changing soon enough. 
Everything will be different next week. I mean, not so much the women's division, but most more more so for the men's championship, and maybe so, maybe even by the tag team rankings. We don't know. But until we get them, folks, here we go. That is your breakdown. It took us two and a half hours to get there, but here we are. All right. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, this will wrap up the recap of AEW, Fight for the Fallen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure you follow the Boochcast here on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. Pick your favorite site, follow us there. Or if you want to be a true fan, follow us on all four sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show for your enjoyment, as well as some great, very great content. In fact, this coming Sunday, we got some good things up there. We actually have our commercial for UCW. That's right. This next Sunday, August 8th, will be UCW Home town throwdown it'll be taking place as give me a minute here got to pull some things up. out oh, at the greenville shrine club and event center located at 119 beverly road greenville south carolina 29606 again that address is 119 beverly road greenville south carolina 29606 tickets are available at the shrine club you can also go to ucwtv.com and eventbrite.com. This event will be taped for Fight TV and will feature some of the biggest names in the world of professional wrestling, including our Universal Heavyweight Champion, Carlito from the WWE, also from WWE, making their first appearance in UCW. The Ascension is going to be there. Also, we got Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner will be in the house. Uh, My client, Buff the Stuff Bagwell, will also be in attendance. Also, speaking of AEW, we do have an AEW star coming. Um, and actually, it's going to be a female. We got Dream Girl Ellie is going to be on the show. And she will be facing Chrissy Vane from WWE. Also from WCW, we got Lodi. And we got some of the UCW favorites, including Stan the Man Lee, Elijah Proctor, Mustang Mike, Lucky Ali, Jovanisi Cruz, Movie Mike, and many more. Coming to UCW, Hometown Throwdown, Sunday, August 8th. And, of course, make sure you guys are also following us on Twitter and Instagram, at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Also, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. As I mentioned before, we got new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, coming very soon. We're going to have the Brian, we got the Brian Pillman videos. We have the ultra violence of Nick Gage. You've heard me talk. You told me to talk a lot about Nick Gage, but I haven't even scratched the surface. You got to check out that video to hear the rest of it. Also, we got the collision in Korea, the Ultimate Warrior in the shadow of Grizzly Smith. That was a cryptic one. That was a dark one. And of course, the Dynamite Kid. All coming soon to the Boochcast YouTube channel. But in the meantime, check out the episodes we have up already, as well as our DND one shot, our wrestling watch parties, our funny skits. Elvis and I are actually coming up with other skits that we want to do. We came up with one recently, but we won't talk about it now. Maybe we'll talk about it in the Potpourri show. But make sure you guys hit that subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you so you can check out all of our episodes, uh, upcoming episodes of Boochcast Views, Dark Side of the Ring, as well as additional Boochcast YouTube content. And, of course, make sure you are following us on Twitch. 
Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties. You can live chat with us during the party. Our next party will be Saturday, August the 21st. That's two weeks from now for WWE SummerSlam. If you've been following Raw and SmackDown, you know the card is getting stacked. There's some pretty good matches coming up, so we'll be in attendance for that. And, of course, we still haven't decided yet which place we're going to hold it. But as of right now, well, there are... Well, well speak, speaking of that, though, so you're saying the 21st is the SummerSlam? Uh, Saturday, August 21st is SummerSlam. It's a Saturday? It's a Saturday. Yes, sir. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking we should do it at my house. You want to do your place? All right, uh, we'll let the team know. So we're going to be at Alcasa de Delinsky, just like we were for WrestleMania 37. So we'll be back there for WWE SummerSlam. All right. Uh, El that means Elvis and I will have a few other things to talk about off the air. But no, that's where we're going to be Saturday, August 21st. We'll be live on Twitch for SummerSlam. Also, that's where we also do our live D&D &D show. You'll be able to live chat with us during that. And like I said, we don't have the exact date set yet, but we do plan to start the show sometime. Oh, 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 oh. Here's, 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 no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I will call, I will, I will hold SummerSlam in my house in the next couple weeks. Yeah. If the team comes over, if you come over to my house and we do a pay-per-view our house, we have to do a one shot. Okay. I mean, we'll do a one shot. We'll have a. Uh, Desmond or John can put it together if you wish. You can, if assuming John. I'm just, will be I'm just there. saying, we'll do if a you one. Guys come over to my house. If we if we do if we do the pay per view. If you come to Casa de, de Dolinsky, you have to play D and D. All right, it's like Fight Club. Okay, it's your first night of Fight Club, you have to fight. All right, so That's we'll a, do a one shot. All right, so we'll do well. We'll do a one shot. But as far as our actual campaign, the actual campaign will not be taking place until the month of October. So we might, so we'll do a one shot that night after the pay-per-view, but just know that our, our actual campaign, our actual show will be taking place in October with a special surprise that when the time is right, I'm going to reveal and you guys are going to fucking love it. So we'll let you guys know more. Just follow us on twitch.tv slash the boochcast. So you can check out the watch party, the one shot, the D and D everything on Twitch, and also when we get a chance, more Twitch content will be coming as well. And finally, you can support the show by going to Anchor.fm/slash/theboochcast/slash/support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support the podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels that you can contribute at. Uh, each level will have a prize. We don't have the prizes picked out yet, but when we do, we will announce what they are. Now, here's the thing. If you purchase a tier before the prize comes out, once we announce the prize, we will send the prize to you. So you don't have to wait for the prizes if you don't want to. If you'd rather wait and see what they are, I respect that completely. So we got three different levels here. The first level is, of course, you can support the show for 99 cents a month. That's it. Just 99 cents. All you got to do, hit that button, support the show. And for 99 cents, you help us build our show. Or you can go to the second level and you can do it for $4.99 a month. That's the same price as you would for a Peacock subscription. I know some of y'all are 
Uh, not big fans of the Peacock, especially the AEW fans. Well, don't waste your money over there. Send that money to us. We got better content for you anyway. And, of course, we have the third and final level where you can help us out for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same amount of money you used to pay for a WWE Network subscription. You got nowhere to put that $9.99 now, so... Bring that $9.99, send it over here, help out with the Boochcast. We got better content than the network anyway. And of course, with each of these levels, you help us out. Here's how you help us. Uh, these contributions go back into the show, so it helps us uh, upgrade the equipment. It allows us to bring in bigger name guests because some people actually charge money to be on podcasts. So we can use that money to bring in a big name guest that you want us to interview. That Some people charge, some people don't. The ones that do... They're the reason they're not on here, but we can bring in bigger name guests. We also allows us to uh, pay the bills, keep the lights on, but also allows me, most importantly, to take care of the guys who work very hard on this show and, you know, behind the scenes and on the air to make this show great. So if you got a favorite co-host like Elvis Delinsky and you feel like they should be paid for the work that they do, I couldn't agree more. That's why you go to anchor.fm slash the boochkai slash support. And you can help make that happen. So that's how you guys contribute. Go to anchor.fm slash the boost class slash support. If you can't support the show, I understand completely. If you can, you're doing a great service for us. And you can pay with a credit card or GPay. So Elvis, before I officially wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I do. I broke the mold. I had to go back to Facebook and Instagram and all that shit. And Snapchat and whatever. So you can add me at fuck you. Don't add me at all. Um, don't follow me on Facebook. If you want to go to Instagram, follow me. I have an interesting life where I follow my daughter around. I take pictures of her. And uh, I send memes on. Uh, I think the first day on Facebook was about three days ago. And you guys want me to read you what I put on there? Uh, sure, it's go ahead. Since. Um... This is what I put on there. So this is a post I put on Facebook, and I deleted it because I was super drunk. Who would have thought? Facebook and drinking, right? <laughs> I put it on there. I know. I know. It's great. I guess I'm back. In parentheses, I put on our live audience booze profusely. Thank you. Thank you, audience members. You suck. <laughs> it's a TV show I'm doing or something. I'm so glad to be hosting Thursday Night Live on Facebook. I'd like to thank me and only me for being me and hosting this shitty shit show. We have a special get musical guest, fuck all in a salty peppered steak. <laughs> and a Thursday Night <laughs> Shitty Band. It's been a dream since 30 seconds ago to host this shitty show. We have a horrible show, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after these shitty commercials. <laughs> and then it says, shitty commercial commenced afterwards. Ways of guilt and oppression tied to a stick, throw down the hall and out of existence. That is Elvis drunk on Facebook. So that's why I'm not on face social media. It was on there for about a good mere eight hours before it was deleted. So you're welcome. Yes. And uh, also, ladies and gentlemen, uh, so since you want people to follow you on Instagram, uh, what's your Instagram handle? You know what? Let me look it up real quick. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know what he is. I, I should know, right? You know, it's yeah. like everybody's like, oh, you should. You want me to it's say it? Uh, it's uh, Elvis underscore probably. So it's Elvis probably. Yeah. Um, um, That's me. So Elvis underscore probably. Don't at me. Um, 
I'd be great if you didn't. Um, by me, I'm going to share with you guys. If you guys want to add me, it's really up to you. I am not mad at you guys. Um, but if you guys want to add me, you guys can see my amazing life and all of the cool shit I get to do. Like, you know, go on vacations, uh, take pictures of my daughter when we go do fun stuff. I mean, if you want, like, basic bitch shit, you, I'm your man. Um... I mean, you know what, though? I'm, I'm going to make it more interesting. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to take pictures of my lawn and just give you uh, status updates on my uh, fucking lawn. How well I'm trimming it, how well I'm cutting it, and which patches of grass I need to work on. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to be that guy. So, uh, at me if you want some grass tips. Um, I'm learning a lot myself. So, if you have any tips for, um, you know, treating your grass and have any things about it, though, at me. I, I'd love to hear your ideas. Obviously, I'm going to Google and see, make sure they're correct. I'm going to sit there and put, uh, you know, motor oil on my grass. But um, I've been working a lot on it. And Vinny, when you guys come over next couple of weeks for this wrestling pay-per-view, you get to see all the great changes. I, I know you haven't been here in a, in a while since WrestleMania, but a lot of changes have come taken place in my house. So um, I don't think it's going to be something like, wow, Elvis, you really did a lot. But at the same time, to me, it is. So hopefully uh, you guys get to see the changes. Yeah, I look forward to seeing them. And uh and then, so ladies and gentlemen, until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Good, baby. good night and goodbye. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.